good evening everyone this is dan with the spiritual underground podcast coming to you from my little wood shop in my backyard new omni home uh, also known as uh, dtm woodwork uh, or dtm enterprises uh, kind of rainy old november night and uh i'll remind you again you know that we did the uh sober dude deer hunt this past weekend and had a great time there and uh fired the podcast machine up while we were there and uh got back on the boat i had a little little period of downtime and uh my sponsor told me that uh it's just fine to take a break once in a while uh get a little too hung up in perfectionism once in a while or often and uh and i made that commitment to put out new content every sunday uh since i started this thing and uh and i this is i missed a month i missed a running month but uh i know i know uh i'm forgiven for that and that's no big deal but we will get these back on track uh, it's something that fills my cup, um, this this unique way of participating in my recovery. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this is a primarily 12-step recovery-based podcast. Uh, we have had other people on here, and, uh, and, and I do like to explore other ways that people find their true selves. Uh, the 12 steps is how I found me. Uh, it, uh, 12 steps is what opened me up to be able to use other avenues in addition to this in order to dig deeper, uh, to continue peeling this onion. But that's what you'll primarily hear to hear tonight, and uh, is 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 a story of man's uh, what we say in the as in the book. It says what it used to be like, and uh, what happened, and what it's like now. So uh, you know, I I having trouble uh, remembering exactly where I met Sean, but I believe that I met you for the first time in a spiritual underground meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you've got a personality that that you don't forget easily. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and the other thing is is when guys come in and you haven't you didn't know them and they share it to spiritual underground uh i have this memory thing where i just remember stuff and uh and you know you don't have to ask me who's new in the meeting tonight because i'm there every week and uh and i know if somebody's new and if somebody says they've been here or, you know they've been here before uh and i don't recognize them i almost i almost doubt it uh my my memory on names and people is is that sharp now it didn't used to always be uh, but then we, you know, went to uh, Esther's uh, sponsor, Esther, and she had her first celebrated her first birthday, which is about six months late, and I can take some blame for that. Uh, you know, the whole COVID has introduced a whole new thing, and uh, and face to face meetings and being able to do that has uh, been a challenge. But she asked me to do that, and uh, and she had asked Sean to do a little lead that night, and uh, when I heard him, uh, bells went off right off the bat, and I was like, hey, there's a voice I want, uh, I want to hear more of. And uh, I just really love the passion that you delivered with, and and I, and you know you can hear and tell when people are doing it like from the heart, and uh, and I knew that when when I when I listened to you that night. So welcome to the show, brother. Thank you very much, buddy. Yeah. What's your sobriety date? One January fifteenth, uh, two thousand nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. Yes, very sir. Cool, man. So uh, yeah, well, you know, twenty twenty's been such a blur that I almost think it's like that that. January 20 was a minute ago. Right. We're, we're kind of, yeah. You're uh, sneaking up on two years. Yes, sir, I am. Did you grow up around here? Do you? Uh... Yeah. I, well, I grew up in Louisville. Yeah. yeah. I always think of here. I know we're over here in New Albany, but I consider right. this whole Louisville <clears throat> metropolitan area really. I agree. New Albany and Jeffersonville and Clarksville and everything. If you if if yeah if you're very far away, you have to tell people you're from Louisville because mm-hmm. they don't know where any of these towns are. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So you grew up in Louisville. Yeah. Well, you know, I bounced back and forth my whole life. I was actually born in Tampa Bay, Florida. Oh wow. Yeah. My parents got divorced when I was three. Uh, so like, my dad lived in Louisville. Mm-hmm. My mother lived in Tampa. Uh, 
So, you know, I was doing a whole bunch of bouncing back and forth. Yeah, yeah, and that's a pretty good jump there. To, uh, yeah. You know, sometimes people are talking about that and across town, uh, and, and, it, and it doesn't make it easy for a kid. Uh, but, uh, yeah, across the that big swipe of the country. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little about your, you know, you got any brothers, sisters? How would you grow up? What was your home life like? What, what, what do you remember from uh, growing up? Uh, well, you know, it's the – as far as like you know what my my childhood was like you know um most of the memories i have like the times where i lived uh, in florida with my stepdad at the time and my mom uh you know f- for the most part most of my memories are still pretty you know pretty much bad ones oh yeah you know what i mean um but it's beautiful because i'm, I'm telling you the more i stay sober and the more i you know i i, I you know live and breathe recovery um the more my i can see my mind is recovering you know and these these beautiful moments uh, are starting to come back to me yeah. you know that i never yeah. even remembered before you yeah. know i'm like where did you know where the hell did this come from i heard some speakers say something about that uh the more time he got the more he realized his childhood wasn't near as bad as he thought it was i agree with that 100 percent more shall be revealed, that's for sure. Yeah. And we know? do suffer from this negative bias. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really hard thing to overcome is that, you know, I'll put it one way, and I've said this a hundred times probably, but, you know, if I walk in a room and 30 people tell me I look good and one person says, man, you don't look so well. I'm in the bathroom all the rest of the night trying to figure out why I don't look so well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. Uh, I can't. So I, I think that affects us from the very beginning, that yeah. uh, an ounce of negative weighs more than a pound of positive, and mm-hmm. that what sticks in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, they divorced when you were Surrey. You, what about school life? Did you um, did you primarily go to school one town or the other? Or yeah. oh yeah, I was back and forth Where everywhere. Yep, yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, I guess at the age of three, you know, that's when my mom uh, got you know custody of me, and um, you know. Even at that time, I remember, like, coming to Louisville, and then I went to, like, Klondike Elementary School for quite some time and um, lived over there in these apartments called Middale Apartments, you know, Hikes Point area. Yeah. That's pretty much my stomping grounds mm-hmm. back then. Um, but then I don't I don't know exactly when it was, but my, I guess my mom got full custody of me and my two sisters. Um, I have two, two sisters. Um two older sisters and then i have a half brother and a half sister um who are both younger than me and they're from uh my stepdad at that time but uh yeah sometime within you know somewhere within the age you know that age range one to ten my mom ended up getting full custody of us and then that's where i went to like uh finished elementary school at you know fourth and fifth grade and then i remember being there um all the way up until sixth grade and then it was right around the time i was about 13 years old is when my dad got custody back Hmm. actually she gave up custody of us you know because you know like in my you know it was my stepdad was well for the longest i was you know thinking that this man was a monster you know what i mean um but nowadays, I look at it differently. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, he was just dealing with his own demons. I'm not one to judge. You know, that's for him and his journey. Uh, but he did do some things that, <clears throat> you know, weren't 
weren't right by no means, you know. Uh, like, there's nothing that can justify his actions, you know, when a man, you know, beats up, uh, you know, women and a seven-year-old child yeah. uh, on the regular, you know. Um, yeah. True, there is nothing that can justify those actions, but today, because of this program, I've been blessed with that wonderful gift of forgiveness, you yeah, know? Right. Yeah, no doubt. And it's a beautiful thing, because I held on to that for a long time. Yeah. 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 Actually, and you know, thinking back, one of my—this is something that I, 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 I always— seem to remember was i mean this is just to give you kind of just a a brief summary of what that childhood was like you know living there was uh you know there was a time i think i was seven years old uh seven or eight and um it was one day that my stepdad was of course doing what he always does he's beating the tarnation out of my mother Mm. i just come home uh, from hanging out with a friend that he also um, never wanted me to hang out with because my friend, this was my only friend, and he was, you know, he was black. And on, amongst many other things, uh, you know, at the time, my stepdad was also, you know, a racist. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, so I come home, and uh, for some reason, I remember, I felt like, you know, it was time for me to try to protect my mother, you know. So I you know, I did that. I grabbed this new set of balls that I just, you know, acquired in that moment or, you know, discovered in that moment. And, uh, I went to go stop him from beating her and I was successful, but then he pulled me right here by this hair Mm -hmm. on my temple. temple. That's where he always grabbed that. Like anytime he was trying to get my attention, he would grab that hair and just yank, but he drug me from one room all the way to the other. And then he starts beating on me and you know this was both the the greatest day of my life and also the scariest day of my life because my sister my eldest sister come home at that time she was about 18 years old at this time and she come home my stepdad's just i mean he's weighing in on me he would always beat me like in my body you know uh so that when i went to school these bruises and shit wasn't showing you know what i mean but it it didn't even matter because even if somebody did question it i was so terrified of if they couldn't save me of what was going to happen to my ass you know once they couldn't um so i kept my mouth shut anyways at all times um but my sister come in and she screams get off my brother man i'm telling you she licked him so hard right here in his face just popped him knocked his ass down he fell into a speaker he starts crying immediately and it's crazy because being that young i was so happy to see this man cry because you know he caused me a lot of pain a lot of crying all the time and i was like yeah you deserve that and um after that he gets up he walks out you know he leaves he runs he's like how dare you she said don't ever touch my brother again or else i'll do it again and he ran out jumped in the truck you know mom's still in the back bedroom crying screaming crying all this shit and uh my sister come to me she turns to me i'm like wow you know finally because you know we've had conversations many times before like you know we need to stand up to this man you know we need to do something about this this shit ain't right it can't be right for us to be beat and live in fear you know even at this young age even i'm starting to realize this and uh my sister <clears throat> turns and looks at me i'm like wow you stood up to him finally he's gone and then she was like uh it's okay you know he's never going to do that again and uh it's gonna be okay from here on out and then she was like but i do have to tell you 
that I'm not staying, I'm leaving. I was like, wait, do what? Hmm. I said, you can't leave. Because if you leave, when he comes back with that black eye, he's going to want to whoop somebody's ass again. Yeah. And I'm going to be the only one. You can't leave. But then she did. And uh, that's, you know, because that's what she was coming home for at that time. She was actually with my uh, brother-in-law now. My, he's a huge supporter of me. Uh, oh, in fact, him and my sister were the main reasons why I was even able to get the treatment. They put up a couple thousand dollars wow. to get me at this place called Liberty Ranch. But, um, yeah, she was with him at that time, and she had had enough. She was 18 years old, and she was leaving. Yeah, um, yeah and she promised to come back for me. Now, at that moment, you know, like I said, it was the, the greatest moment, but then the scariest moment of my life. So from that point... I actually left the house. I rode over to another friend of mine named Michael's house, and um, I knocked on his front door and uh, asked if Michael could come out and play. I go to his backyard. His mom told me, just go out back or whatever. Or no, she said, yes, he's here. I'll get him. I says, I'm going to go out back and wait. Uh, In the backyard, there was a rope that we used to uh, put our foot in and swing from. Uh, I Well, I went straight to the rope and tried to hang myself. Oh, wow. Seven years old. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, at that moment, I, you know, thank goodness I wasn't really, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was doing, yeah. but I did hang myself until I passed out. And when, uh, when I come to, I'm laying in Michael's lap. He's about the same age as me, about eight years old. Um, <clears throat> and he, I look up at him. I'm like, man, he was like, Sean, what are you doing? I remember looking over, seeing his mom on the phone. She's just terrified i could see it and uh he's like what are you doing i says i don't know i was like do i look okay he was like yeah i mean you look fine but your neck he's like it's all messed up you know because i had rope burns so i run to the bathroom and the first thought in my mind was oh my gosh you know once my stepdad sees this he's gonna beat the life out of me again you know and uh that's that's you that pretty much sums up you know what I lived with the kind of fear that I was living in for, I mean, for, you know, all the years I can remember of my childhood. And, uh, you know, and it's funny, you know, not funny, but it's, I, you know, I think about that. And when I went back over to my friend Michael's house, days later, they moved. They were oh, really? gone. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Poor kid. I, you know, I, I think back on that. I'm like, wow. You know, I was traumatized, of course, but, man, I really traumatized this young man, too, hmm. you know. But hopefully God sees fit one day I can see him again and, you know, possibly make some amends on that part, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that fear thing, and it still is it's still a driving force at times if I'm not working this program. Absolutely. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm in a pickle. It's because I'm scared of something. Yeah. I'm learning that more yeah. and more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When did you first time, uh, how old were you when you first put something in you? Uh, age of 13. Yep. That's about the time where, because after that <clears throat> went down, my mother and my <clears throat> stepfather, I, well, I didn't tell anybody about So what happened when you went home with the world burns? I, you know, I vaguely remember it. I remember mm-hmm. when I went home, um, that was the time where finally shit started kind of going in, in mine and my sister's favor, you know? Like mm-hmm. it was just her leaving and uh, of course you know i never shared i didn't even share on that incident in my life until i came to the rooms yeah you know 
I held that in for a long time. Yeah. But when I went home, I remember, I don't know, I, you know, I hurried, I tried to hide. I had a room upstairs. Um, it was unfinished, you know, he was kind of adding on to the house, but the room upstairs was like my domain. It's where I could go and nobody would mess with me. I remember going up there, I had a little black and white TV. I, I you know, started watching the X-Files. That was my show back then. And uh, just kind of acted like, you know, that moment never happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's pretty much what I did all the time, you know, because I was living in fear. And that's pretty much what all the chaos that I was living in, uh, I guess, you know, I, I learned, well, I learned to adapt, you know, and just kind of be numb to it. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, uh, sometime after that, I think I was... 11 years old mm, yeah i think i was actually 12 and uh you know my mother gave up custody her and the stepdad at the time were uh separating and you know come to find out since i've been sober i actually learned that this man was a raging coke addict oh really yeah never knew that explains a lot doesn't justify his actions, but it does explain a lot. You know what I mean? It gives me a little bit more understanding of where he was at yeah. at that time. Yeah. What kind of demons? People, you know, that yeah. book there says we treat people as they're spiritually sick. You yeah, know? And, absolutely. And that's another one. My, you know, it's a whole lot easier for me to walk around granting people that than they're just an asshole. Right. Yeah, me too. My sponsor always told me, you know, I have a responsibility to pray for him yeah. instead of just writing them off, you know, and being yeah. like, fuck them. You know, it's best for me to try to understand. And yeah. if I can't, yep, pray for him. Yep. So that's yep. what I try to do. Yep. And, uh, guys, you know, uh, one of my realizations was I had a lot of people in my late teens, like in high school kind of thing. And when I say a lot, it's like three or four that died, committed mm. suicide. Mm. And looking back on it. Now I know what that was. Alcoholism already had them, yeah, and and they took that out at that age, you know. And, and but until I got here, I didn't know what that was. I did, you know, didn't 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 put the two and two together. And not to mention that all the people lost on car wrecks and stuff like that. Right. Uh, just looked like you know accident. Yeah. But uh, finding out, you know, you do you look around and and man, once you get once you start getting this. You get a nose for this, you know, and, and uh, behaviors and stuff become apparent, and you you yeah. can pick people out, you know, you can whatever you. Uh, what's the old? Uh, if you got it, you can spot it, mm -hmm. you know, and, yep. and you see that, and those things come to light later on. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, so they were getting they were they were. I'm assuming that your mom had like full custody. Mm -hmm. and, would you visit your dad once in a while and yeah. then, then this flipped and turned the table where now this divorce is going on and uh your dad now has the full primary custody yeah she gave it over to him and then you moved to tampa i moved to, to louisville, to, oh, that, louisville. All, okay. that happened. all that happened in <clears throat> yeah that happened in tampa okay yeah <clears throat> yeah and that's uh when i moved here and you know because i was always bouncing back and forth um i you know always had friends here in louisville you know yeah. um in florida the only friend i had was that one friend and then the other friend michael who i traumatized that yeah, day uh he was the only other person i ever hung out with whenever my my best friend uh was wasn't around or if my stepdad wouldn't allow me you know if he caught me hanging out with him or something he wouldn't you know he'd kind of cut the hanging out short oh, yeah i'd go hang out with michael um but yeah so i had a lot of friends here in louisville already 
um, and that, that when I was 12 years old, that's when um, my sister and I moved moved here. My my second oldest sister, you know, because my eldest was already yeah, she had booked. Yeah, she booked with her with her husband. Well, her boyfriend at the time, her husband now, my yeah. brother-in-law. But um, it didn't take long for me <laughs> once I got back to Louisville because uh, to uh, you know find more chaos for me to live into i you know i I didn't realize it at the time but you know i that's all i've ever known so naturally at that moment that's what i'm looking for like i almost didn't even feel right unless i was living yeah like unless i was living in some kind of chaos you know um and you know but i didn't realize none of this until now i'm starting slowly to you know learn these things um, like you said, putting two and two together yeah. nowadays. But um, as soon as I came here, um, I had all my friends already, and all my friends might have had pretty decent homes to go home to, which I did too. Um, me and my dad was living with my grandma at the time in Hikes Point. I had a perfectly good home to stay at, but I chose to be out running them streets and uh, got involved in some gang, you know, stuff. I mean, I thought I was a gangster, you know what I mean? I did hang around with some people that was very serious about that life, like serious killers. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was condoning in that behavior, but I myself was never, yeah. you know, fit to be a gangster. I just wanted to be. Yeah. But, uh, that's, gonna, that's the term I was going to say. You don't want to be. Yeah. Well, ultimately, a, what you're trying to do is fit in. Exactly. Because I and, and you know the, when I look back at it now, that's precisely what I was doing. You know, because I was bouncing around back and forth. You know, I never really had a. I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. You know, and it 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 it, it manifested this desperation for me to want to feel like I belonged and I was willing to go to extreme measures to do it and that's actually exactly what was the driving force for me the first time I used I was age 13 in my best friend's at the time basement uh his name's Cole and um uh we was in his basement and you know down there doing our gangster stuff you know whatever listening to bone thugs of harmony and uh he comes to me and had a pipe with some weed in it and a 40 of saint ides and uh that was that was where that's where it all began right there yeah and i did so can you remember did you really want it or did you i remember the first couple times when i used there was some kind of gut thing was telling me I really shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something inside going, mm, probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. But that overriding uh, deal of wanting to be in with these dudes who I wanted to be my friends and mm-hmm. felt like at some level, you know, in order to be in with these dudes, that's the price of admission right there. Yeah. Now, then once I got the effect of it and started realizing that it did lift my inhibitions and allowed me, you know, that was, that was secondary to it. And then that... That, that little guy that was going, you probably ought not do this, didn't show up very often. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. I did have that, you know, that weird butterfly feeling in my stomach, you know, knowing that this this ain't right, yeah. you know. But, of course, you know, at the, it didn't matter to me. I just yeah. wanted to fit in, and I wanted to feel like I belonged, and I wanted to impress. Huge yeah. people pleaser. That's something I have to work on daily, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it wouldn't have made really any difference that day if they'd have said, let's go play some basketball, or if they said, let's go, whatever they'd have proposed, yeah. I'd have said, I'm in. Yeah, me and too. it just so happened that day it was some pot. Yep. 
and a 40 of St. Ives. Yeah, for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in this house, and I don't want to beat too much old history on it, but uh, I, my first drunk happened in that house on mom, when Mom and Dad were working, and we had a snow day. Mm. And a friend called and asked if, we, if I wanted to drink some beer. And, you know, I didn't even, you know, I have no idea actually what that meant, really. Yeah. You know, all I, all I heard was, do you want to hang out? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, interesting because that same dining room table is still in that same house because I bought it from, bought the house from mom and dad later on in life. And uh, I get to look, actually, I do the Zoom podcast from that today from that same table that I have my first drunk on. Wow. Or the Zoom uh, meetings. That's awesome. Such a blessing. Yeah. I, I've noticed more now than ever that, you know, uh, the more I continuously, um, you know, try to improve this conscious contact with my higher power, uh, the more he reveals himself. And I, I, I say it all the time, man, it's, it's always such a blessing when he gives me opportunities um, to do some right where I've done so much wrong. And he does, man, he does. Yeah, balance the karmic scales. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, and it just gets to be where once you get a taste of that, uh, you know, it just makes it easier and easier to stay on this track too. You know, my yeah. my end of my run ended up being you know nightmare type of stuff, and I certainly uh, don't want to go back to that. But that, that old thing, you know, when we first get here, people say if you keep on doing what you're doing, you'll keep on getting what you're getting. Well, yeah. I found the same to be true in recovery. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm gonna keep getting what I'm getting, and Absolutely. I like this what I'm getting Heck in yeah. life today. Yeah. So what your buddies, uh, what, do you have any recollections of that? Did you, uh, it's a lot of people say first time they smoked pot, they didn't get high. And I, that was my recollection too. Uh, first time I smoked it. Of course, I don't think I knew what I was doing. You know, yeah. like didn't know how to really inhale and didn't know how to hold it. And my buddies were trying to coach me, but, uh, I don't remember getting high the first time I smoked it. Yeah. I remember it. Yeah. I do. Of course he was a professional already, you know, he's yeah. one year older than me, so he's 14. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he coached me through, and uh, I, that age is the age that Momo, I would say ninety percent of the people that sit here and, and done podcasts. Yeah, it's that twelve to fourteen range is yep. when everybody has their first experience. Yeah, yep. Ding dong. Yeah, thank goodness <laughs> I can now show her this way of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I remember it very clearly, very clearly. Uh, you know, and I also remember. As soon as, uh, as soon as that buzz set in, you know, well, first of all, I ended up getting sick, you know. I'm just a little man at this time, you know, probably four sizes smaller than what I am now. And I drank a whole gosh dang 40 of St. Ives. Lucky it didn't take me all the way out. But I remember it. <clears throat> and, you know, also, along with me always trying to, you know, feel like, uh, I belong somewhere, you know, always trying to get that sense of belonging. Also, at the same time, um, I didn't <clears throat> want to remember anything, you know, that happened from my past. You know, I didn't want to ever have to think about none of that. Right. And as soon as I kind of, you know, not the very first time, but after that, of course, because, you know, I'm 
didn't realize it then, but, you know, I'm an alcoholic addict and to the core. And at that time, of course, then once it changed how I felt, um, I wanted it more. And the more I did it, the more I realized that it was also numbing me to everything that I never wanted to have to face or think about. And plus, I didn't even feel fear. I didn't feel anything. And I liked it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was just what I needed, I thought, you know what I mean, right. at that time. Yeah, that, uh, yes, there's so many things It's like... Uh, these parallel universes thing, you know, like, uh, you know, ultimately that was allowing me to live in the moment, mm -hmm. which is what I aim for today too, right? Yes, but sir. But with a clear head. But yes, that allowed sir. me to not be worrying about the past and all that kind of thing, you know. And, and, and a lot of what I was chasing when I first started chasing the booze and the alcohol are really uh, the same concepts I'm chasing today without the booze and the alcohol, yeah. you know. To yeah. have community around me, to fit in, to mm -hmm. have a brotherhood of people around me or sisterhood to a fellowship around me and uh to live in the moment mm -hmm. and you know the whole thing about you know uh set my past where it belongs i know it's there i don't it don't wake me up at night anymore having right. bad dreams but right. you know and so what i was chasing then is the same thing at a boiled down level that i'm that, that's actually the solution too yeah yeah because even you know, yeah, that's a very good point. Because you know, it was allowing me to stay in the moment, but also it uh, you know prevented me from actually even remembering these moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was stripped me of everything. Yeah, and then of course uh, I always had the <clears throat> I had a habit of overshooting the mark a lot, and uh, then I'd be I'd be remorseful and embarrassed about what I did last night. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, then the very next day, I got to have to forget what I did yesterday. Absolutely. And I need one oh, way yeah. to do that. Yep. Start again. That's it. Yeah. So that's about, what would you say, 12? Yes, 13. Did I you? believe I was, I know I was 12 when I finally moved, uh, you know, when my, when my father, uh, yeah. when she gave custody up to my father. Uh, so I think I'm pretty sure I was at that was 13 at that at yeah. that time you yeah, know there's a couple of times whenever i'm trying to like put this chronological thing in order you know and i've realized that it doesn't really matter as long as i'm like in the ballpark yeah uh the the because i've actually sat down and tried to like lay out a timeline and there's some places in my timeline that just will not work out you know i can't get them to go and, and the equation will not come out and equal zero yeah <laughs> uh and and i've just let go of all that mm-hmm did you uh, continue from that day forward? Yeah. Was it one of them? Oh, yeah. Because you, know, you do hear some people say, well, you know, I had a bad experience and I waited a little while and, you know, didn't use again for a while. And then some people are uh, in like Flynn from the beginning. Yeah, I definitely was. That's how I, you know, I suffer from the disease of never enough. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly, I mean, I went uh, from then on, um, you know, I was, at first it was just, you know, party you know, stuff, you know, like I would only do it at parties, um, stuff like that. Did it all throughout, you know, my teenage years. Um, it's a lot, it, you know, looking back, you know, it didn't seem like as much work, sort of, but I mean, now if I think about it and I look at my kids, I think, you know, they'd have to work real hard to be doing that behind my back. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad didn't have the eyes I have. Right. But uh, still, uh, it wasn't easy to get booze when you were... 14 right uh, <laughs> right and then not to mention the elements and the stuff that you was doing that you know to, to, to bounce around and get the other stuff mm-hmm yep well you know actually my dad is a alcoholic oh. um he is you know 
I guess what you know we call in, in the rooms a functioning alcoholic. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like he 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 definitely handled off his priorities. You know, now pops is at an age where he's you know kind of starting to understand that his alcoholism is uh you know it's it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna end his life if he doesn't do something different if he doesn't i'm 38 yeah yeah it seems like at the mid 30s early 40s is where a lot of us end up going oh oh," yeah but some guys will get up a little later before they're going "Uh uh-oh right pops is up here (laughs) you know he's starting to say "Uh uh-oh now but he you know he's doing better you know he's he definitely realizes that his health is at risk so uh he doesn't go nearly as hard as he used to but the next day because i had such a wonderful bond with my father because my pops is man he he is just a a wonderful man you know you see baby girl shaking her head over here because he is uh just a very selfless human being and he's always been that way you know uh somebody i've always aspired to be like uh he just has this wonderful heart you know and uh, you can feel it i think underneath everybody's alcoholism is that yeah you know Uh, i agree some of us seem to like shine that way even with it yeah and some of us can't it does that shine too much right i was one of those where you can get a glimpse of it every now and again you know before i got so deep in the madness you know but just to fill in that blank, uh, Sean's daughter's with us here at the podcast table today. She's uh, yeah. playing around with uh, one, of my, one of my boxes of crystals. Yeah. Yeah. She is definitely my number one supporter. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Very, very cool. Yep. Yeah. So this thing about dad and finding, I think we was going down the path of how you was able to find and get. And yeah. Well, because of the relationship I have with my dad, I trusted him. He always made, he always wanted to make sure um, that, um, you know, I, that, I, that I trusted him and that I could come to him with anything. Uh, and, you know, I did that, you know. And I think really once I moved here, he even, he kind of, you know, enforced that even more like he wanted me to understand that even more because in my childhood well i was unfortunately i was kind of like the boy who cried wolf you know so like i'm calling pops and i'm telling him these things are happening but sometimes i was definitely over exaggerating um but still what was happening was very real but pops just kind of wrote it off so then once he finally caught wind and my mother gave up uh custody and all the truth was coming out you know pops kind of felt bad about that mm-hmm. so then he wanted me to you know to be able to trust him and i did i get you know so i never held it never hid any secrets from pops so literally the next day after i used i smoked and i, I drank i told him about it the next yeah. day on the phone before he even came and got me huh. yeah and uh well he wasn't too fond of the idea of me drinking at the age of 13 but pops was definitely cool with uh me smoking hmm. and he even said that following day that uh well how'd you like it i was like yeah you know it was awesome i'm not gonna lie pops felt like i was in a whole nother world and all this and that and uh, he was like well all right um drinking i'm not for that you're too young to be doing that but uh he's like if you ever you know want to smoke you know maybe you and i can share every now and again so smoking was all good but of course i 
from that point on, I was ready for whatever changed how I felt. And I was one of those type of people, you know, that, well, how bad off I was, man, there wasn't nothing I would try. It didn't even matter if a person knew what the hell they had. They just knew that they heard somebody say it would get you high. I'd be like, here, I'm the one. I'll try it out. That's how I did all throughout my teenage years. That old joke about you goes, you want a couple of these? And you go, yep, what was it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's how I was. Yeah. Me too. Uh, I rarely said no. The only reason I didn't do some things is just because it wasn't presented to me. Right. The only reason. There's no doubt that I would have tried anything that was handed to me. There was no no in me. Now, when he was talking about catching a bus. Yeah. Yep, that's how I was. And that's how, you know, all throughout my teenage years, I ended up uh, dropping out of school at age 16. Actually, they opened up a school called Jefferson County, um, which was like an alternative school Mm -hmm. that if you were 16 years and up, uh, you could go here and kind of work, um, you know, do like go at your own pace at school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would just have to go here for like three hours. Um, every other day or something. So therefore, if I was working or something like that, I could work at the same time. I guess that's kind of what the Jefferson County, whatever it was, alternative school program was for. But of course, at first, I did have a job at Bare Nose, but then I was introduced to all kinds of new shit. You know, speed about the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ridland, all that stuff, and I, that's when I started to dive into harder shit, and uh, then I even dropped out of that, you know, and then I had the bright idea that, uh, because I always hung out with older friends, you know, older people, at least five years older than me, mm-hmm. some of them ten years older than me, and um, all these guys were good and successful at selling these drugs and stuff so i thought for sure i could do it too but i could not because there was nothing that you could give me that i would not do myself yeah, so right. yeah, yeah i wouldn't even said, uh, can't see as a speaker if you ain't heard i listened to a lot of speaker taste and that stuff sticks in my head he said uh the first week i was my best customer and the second week i was my only customer <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me that's me to the t yeah I never, you know, I listened to a lot of, uh, you know, gangster music and whatnot back then. Yeah. And one of the main things was don't get high off your own supply. Well, yeah. I definitely never listened to that part of the song. Yeah, what kind of sense does that make? <laughs> yeah, why I mean, would the I have it I, then? Yeah, the only reason I ever paddled around with it was to, like, there was some, and it did, there was some reality to this, is that I could get mine for cheaper. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but, but you know, it, it never did work out the way that I had planned to yeah, me either. get this much, sell all that, and be able to have this for free. It yeah. never, would, never would work out that mm-hmm. well. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I was quick. kind of a sissy, though, man. I was I was worried about, I had a lot of worry about getting in trouble, and it probably helped me. That, yeah. Uh, that I didn't want to get caught by parents. I, didn't, and I got jacked up by the cops around town quite a few times. You know, you'd be sitting someplace smoking some dope, and the cops were all up, you know, take mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, and uh, there's quite a few times. I mean, a, a surprisingly amount number of times where they took our stuff, be it beer or dope. Um, if it's much harder than that, we didn't, you know, we'd get in trouble. But they take your beer and your marijuana and let you go. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I have my suspicions about where all that went, too. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. you get turned into the evidence locker, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it happened to me a couple times, too. Where they just take it and let us go on home. So how'd that go for you after you dropped out of school and you're doing this other school stuff? And um, Sounds like that didn't last long. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, I can't pinpoint the exact day. I know it was right around the time I was 18. Um I, I remember the the day that I realized that I was different from all my friends because they could do whatever it was we were doing, whether it was cocaine, whether it was acid, whether it was alcohol, weed, whatever, and then they could just not do it. I remember one day, that's when I realized that I was different because all these guys might have dabbed into it, you know, and tried it out, but I was the guy that had to have more of it and more of it every single day. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was at my dad's house. This is when we lived out in Shively. He built us a uh, pool room in the backyard um, for us to hang out in, you know, because he was trying to keep us up off the streets. Um, and uh, I remember when I first snorted this big old line in front of all my friends who you know sell this shit and all that shit and i remember seeing the looks on all their faces you know like ah man sean's a junkie and this and that but i didn't even care i seen it though i do remember seeing the looks on their faces and that's when i realized like ah shit ah they don't know what you're talking about i'm just different than them i enjoy this shit i'm all good but i do remember that day clearly and that's one of the main things that got really I took off with, you know, was cocaine. Any, you know, anything that sped me up me because too. I've been working in restaurants and shit like that, and that's just kind of what I started to grow to love the most. Yeah, I didn't like stuff that took me down, you know, mm-hmm. I, but I always drank, and of course that does, but not with you got some other stuff to add on top of it. So yeah, you, know, you can keep on drinking, keep on party, keep the party going. Mm-hmm. I never did understand that people would take this stuff that would put you down. The Xanaxes and stuff like that put me to sleep, and I didn't want to end. That's actually ultimately why I ended up stopping smoking marijuana quite a while before I got sober. Yeah. Uh, I could do it as a nightcap. Right. You know? But, yeah. But once I, a point came, if I smoked some pot, I was out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the last thing I was doing today. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And some days that was okay, but. A lot of times I was kind of running and gunning and wanting, you know, we, heck, we uh, we did a lot of things, you know, where if it was at the NASCAR race or off fishing and hunting or uh, all day volleyball parties or, you know, just whatever ran down the pike, I didn't want to end up having something that put me out, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to make it to the end. Right. Yeah, me too. And I already had that little thing about overshooting the mark that I had to be careful about where I'd be the guy who would, you know, they'd wake me up at the concert you know, sometime during the night of the concert, I went to sleep. <laughs> you know, there's some kind of, you know, Motley Crue or, 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 uh, or uh, Ozzy Osbourne or, you know, Metallica or one of these kind of things. And I kind of can, you know, I'm asleep at the concert. <laughs> They're <laughs> yeah. tapping me on the shoulder when everybody, come on, Dan, time yeah. to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I got a lot of half a concert. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So we're about what? 18 it's when you figured out that you were a little different and mm-hmm. you think there was any of that uh you know i had a piece in me that needed to be like the the man you know where i could do more than you could yeah it didn't really work out for me real often but 
uh, ego jumped in, and, and, and I needed to be the guy that was going to drink the most and do the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I needed you to see that. Do I see that? I, said, I needed that. To, I needed oh, everybody yeah. to see me that I could, you know, I could handle my booze. Oh, and yeah. I could handle, yeah, you know, yeah. I failed a lot, but yep. I still had an underlying thing where I needed to be able to, you know, there was a manly part of being able to drink all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually remember a couple of friends actually rolling up on me after that and asking me or, you know, telling me like, hey, man, you know, you got to be careful on that shit and this and that. And I was like, nah, I got this, man. I got this. I'll show you. Yeah. I really like doing acid. It's one of the things that keeps on. It, 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 I will hear people talk about it because they're just talking about medicinal purposes of it today, like mm-hmm. for certain things. Yeah. And uh, that one little guy still taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, that was fun. Yeah. I never got in trouble with it. I never felt like it grabbed me and uh, took control of me. You know, not like alcohol and some other things actually took control of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had that happen with any hallucinogenics. I went hard with those too. Yeah. There was a time where I had this, you know, pretty solid connect. Um, I was close with the guy who actually had the solid connect to infinite amounts of acid. And there was a time, I shit you not, it we did acid probably every day for like a month. Yeah, straight. I went through a few of those phases too. Yeah, we even covered up the windows oh, did you? with uh, aluminum foil so no light would come in. That's how bad I, wow. that's, you know, that's, man. That's and it probably wasn't there. every day, but I remember there were some times, and particularly the summer of, uh, and for whatever reason I can still remember, but the summer of 91, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like I tripped all summer. Yeah. I remember yeah. Fourth of July weekend, we had a whole bunch, and we went to Kings Island, went to Madison Regatta, we went, you know, because we went running around on it. Yeah. We did too sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time, though, we try to stay in the side because I was crazy. Yeah, I you was, did. You I, definitely had to like have a, there was something you had to keep a, a some boundary around. You know, yeah, you no doubt. That because it, it could you can go spinning out of nowhereville if if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched some guys have some bad trips. I, I never did. I never did have a bad experience on it. I definitely did. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did. Couple times, man. Yeah. So how'd it get bad? How'd it get bad? The whole thing. The whole thing? Like as far as my fast whole... Fast forward or whatever. Fast forward or a little not, bit. If you got yeah. some, uh, yeah. if you got some other stories worth that you want to share, have at it. But. Okay, well, you know, it got real bad from that point forward because then that's when, uh, you know, the like I said, everybody else was able to pick up and put down. But me, myself, I was the one that had to continuously have it. Whatever it was, didn't matter what it was. One of the first things that I can recall getting highly addicted to, um, well, actually would have been alcohol. Like, there would have been times where I've been so hungover and stuff the next day and having the shakes and shit. But I didn't I didn't know I was withdrawing. But I was told there was just a hangover, and the only way to cure that was drink more. So I did that all the time. But then the, when, once I got introduced to speed in general and cocaine, that's when I, that's when I really went you know, into the deep end um, because I needed it all the time. And then, of course, once I did that every single day, it was horrible when I didn't have it. So, you know, I lived a life consumed by it. But, um, you know, so I 
had, you say speed, what are you referring to specifically? Like Ritalin. Okay. Yeah. And the pharmaceuticals like Adderall yeah. and Ritalin and something yep. like that. Yeah. It was the first one. And then, um, you know, Adderalls, yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Some shit that people gave me. I don't even remember what it was called, but I took it, you know, it sped yeah. me up. Cool. I yeah. was for it. Yeah. Right. And that's when it got bad. Uh, I ended up getting uh, arrested at one time. I was working out in Taylorsville, actually. I was about 19, 20 years old. I think I was 20 years old at this time. And um, that's how bad I was, man. I ended up going. I was working out on this farm in Taylorsville. Now, when I say farm, I wasn't, like, taking care of animals and shit like that. But it was a man who had a farm, about 65 acres of land. And I was always, I was doing land clearing, maintenance on the, the properties on there and shit like that. But I love this job. But, of course, that, that's also when I was introduced to uh, Crank, another thing. Yeah. Right? And uh, um, I remember... Going over to this guy who I was working with at the time, going to his house. And um, I don't know what it was. He just got through robbing um, a pharmacy, went in through the roof. And I gave him, you know, a couple dollars out of my pocket. And he just gave me just a bag full of pills. Mm. Some of them he didn't even know what it was. But, of course, I didn't care. I ate a whole bunch of them. And I went crazy. And I ended up. Getting up off his floor where I passed out on, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go uh, drive all the way back home is what I was planning on doing. I'm somewhere up in, gosh dang, in the hills. I mean, I remember the path getting in there. It was going all uphill, windy roads, all this shit. But I was like, yeah, I got to go. He's like, man, I'm sure it's not a good idea. I'm like, no, I'm gone. Trust me, I got this. That was always my thing. I got this. I'm different. I got this. You can trust me. I leave. And um, thank God, you know, that God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because uh, I ended up driving off this cliff. I just missed the guardrail. I drive off this cliff. I guess it was pretty freaking steep, steep enough for my car to come off and then hit, right? And then the whole, like the front end of it was kind of even, you know, tucked Girl in, under. right? So, and I ended up rolling down. I hit my head. That's the only thing that woke me up. And... A guy comes to me. He followed me the whole time. This guy? This guy. Who, no, not that guy. Oh. Just some random guy that was behind me as I left my dude's house. You know what I mean? And uh, he come up to me and uh, the car's smoking. Yeah, I see clearly I can't drive anywhere. <laughs> There's nothing but woods in front of me. He comes to me and he's like, hey, man, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, am I bleeding? He's like, yeah, no, you're not. I'm like, okay, well, good. I'm good. I was like, uh, just... You know, do me a favor. Don't call the police. It's okay. He was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I had to, man. You know, you, this is an accident. Da, da, da. I was like, shit. I was like, okay, thank you. And I had some weed at the back of the trunk, whatever, you know. And uh, didn't have a shirt on, and I didn't have a belt. And at the time, I didn't even have any drawers on underneath my pants, right, man? So... Oh, man, I remember looking back at this. How embarrassing. Uh, how, I should have been embarrassed, but, I, you know, at the time I didn't really care. But, man, police came, and uh, um, there was this, this woman cop, and she's sitting here talking to me. My pants are falling off, you know what I mean? And uh, I got no underwear on underneath these pants, you know? 
And I remember just sitting here trying to smooth talk this woman <laughs> to letting me go. And uh, I ended up popping the trunk, letting them get. I had scales, all kinds of shit in there. And I had that bag of pills from the pharmacy in there. Um, and that was pretty much like my first run-in with the law, you know. Um, but I ended up getting just a smack on the wrist from that. And it didn't matter regardless of how that could have played out i still would have went you know on the same path either way it went you know what i mean because even at that time i felt like okay the smack on the wrist i was doing all kinds of shit you know tr selling and all this shit and they just kind of let me go because i had some money at the time so i felt like cool that you know i can get away with this also with this lifestyle that i'm choosing to live yeah but um you know that's that was my first run in with the law but, of course, you know, as this disease of mine progressed, I ended up serving uh, altogether four years, uh, nine months incarcerated. Um, pretty much the first four years of baby girl's life, um, four years, nine months of her life that I spent, you know, locked up. Yeah. But stuff really didn't get extremely bad for me until I was introduced to opiates. You know, that's when I... That was the one that took me all the way down. Um, but I was introduced to those at the age of 23. I remember that. It was because I was hung over one day off cocaine and alcohol. And somebody told me that if I took some pain pills, mm. that it would kill that hangover. So, therefore, I could still function, you know, go to work and stuff like that. And uh, as soon as I got that feeling, you know, uh, you know that I got from opiates i was like oh shit this is where it's at i'm yeah. gonna quit everything else right. now yeah. and you just keep my man. focus on these you know i found the magic key the yeah key, this man. is what i've been looking for yeah yeah i had the same feeling yeah and i remember getting hurt as a kid a lot and i got pain pills uh but and I, and I knew i liked them but never put two and two together until i was fully an adult you know i was 35 years old or something and alcohol had stopped working for me and i found pain pills and boom yeah. life was back on again mm -hmm. uh, you know i was coming really close to hitting the bottom of my alcohol at 35 mm -hmm. but it was 10 more years before my current sobriety date wow uh between finding them things and and finally getting sober but yeah alcohol and opiates those are a few of my favorite things yeah uh start off with pain pills yeah yeah Yep, that's where it started off at. And, uh, of course, you know, even uh, once I was doing these pain pills, I didn't want to mix alcohol with them anymore because I felt like when I did that, it was taken away from the pill buzz. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but, of course, I never gave up the Coke and shit like that. So, yeah. um, you know, that was probably, what, right around the age 23 is when that happened. And then that was all I was looking for at all times. And at first, you know, throughout teenage years, even some of the early 20s, you know, when I was doing these things, it was still just kind of out of fun, you know, partying, shit like that. But, I, of course, everybody else around me could put the shit down the next day. I did not. I kept going. Mm -hmm. um, um, but I didn't realize how much at the time my disease was progressing because then it became a necessity you know i had to have it whatever it was didn't matter but once i got introduced to them opiates man that was it uh i hear a I lot was, of guys say that they put down everything else pretty much you know yeah. stop i kept on drinking but i hear that story of the only thing i want is that now yeah that was it 
Only time, well, the only thing I would mix with it was, you know, Coke. Or, and then, of course, I was introduced to meth. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I was like, wow, you know, usually I have to do, you know, a whole gram of this. I could just do this one line of this, and I'm, you know, tweaked out for 72 hours. Yeah. But, of course, I had to have more. There was, I was so bad off, man. Once I was introduced to meth... And opiates, of course, I, so I was just constantly speedballing. You know what I mean? I wanted to because, you know, some people, like when I first do opiates, you know what I mean? Like I get a, a, an energy buzz off of it, right? But, of course, once that wears down, then I kind of start to feel the down effect from it. Yep. Well, because I'm a speed junkie, you know, I don't have time for that, you know. So I would do meth or coke or whatever it was to kind of bring me back up. I'm feeling like I'm balancing things out yeah. by doing that. You yeah, know? That's, it turned into an amateur chemist. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, and that's what I did. I was man, I'm telling you, I was so bad off before I, before uh, you know God guided me uh, to the rooms that there was times where I would go literally two weeks. Now this is I'm very serious. Two weeks without sleeping, man. Wow. Yep. Only sleep I would get is in those nodding moments. You know. Yep. And that was it. I was so bad, man. So, so bad. I had a, you know, well, you know, to, uh, that. so I got introduced to that, to opiates at 23, right? And then right around the age of, that's, I was still trying to do the geographical change thing. Like, yeah. I felt like if I, if I left Louisville, where I got in most of my trouble at, and moved back to Florida, that I would change. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize at the time that everywhere I go, I take me with me. You know, all these problems in my life, I now know that there was one common denominator. That was me. You know, these problems were of my own doing. And uh, there's a time that I heard Florida was, you know, was people were driving to Florida just to get a pills because they yep. were so easy to get down They there. sure were, especially in the old, old Pana, yeah. uh, you know, days. Uh-huh. Those are the ones that really got me. You know, I did all kinds of pain pills, hydrocodone, whatever, all that shit. And then uh, once I was introduced to old panties, man, once you do that, you can't never go back, you know, because it's such an intense buzz. And, of course, once those went away, the only next thing, the only thing closest to that would have been, you know, heroin. So that's where those were the two things that took me all the way down was meth and heroin. I didn't ever shoot, but prior to coming in to the rooms... Uh, I was definitely real close to doing it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get. I don't. I would like to say I didn't get close. I was still snorting and and uh, and it's interesting. Like a month or two before my current sobriety date, uh, a dude ripped me off. Well, you can't believe it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, took my money and and ran. Yeah. And uh, and that gave me enough of resentment that I stopped at that point. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't get any more heroin ever again. Uh, but it wasn't too long after that that my, you know, I didn't plan to get sober today. I got sober. Right. Uh, it wasn't wasn't a plan. Yeah, me <laughs> either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I wouldn't have. But neither. I know, you know, all that yet. So I know for a fact that's exactly where I was heading. That trail that everybody goes on, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been long before the needle was a part of it. Yeah. It's, uh, there towards the end, I was sitting around with guys who were who were shooting it, and and I still wasn't. Yeah. And that old thing, you know, you hang out to, at the barbershop long enough, you're going to get haircuts. You hang out with those guys long enough, you'll be doing it in a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting to look at that. It's just it's really interesting to look back at the story with clear eyes and and see that kind of stuff about like that. That was actually resentment is what kept me was what stopped me because mm-hmm. I was pissed that dude stole my money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's uh, and, and and it makes absolutely no sense that I would have went because my my history to then would have made absolutely no sense that I'd have been so mad about that that I said I wasn't going to do it no more. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. Yeah. But that's what happened. Yeah, that happened to me before, too. Yeah. Guy ran off with my money, man. Yeah, I was I just, lucky it only happened that one time. Right? Yeah. I just went and got more out of the bank. You know, I was getting unemployment at that time, but I cussed him the whole time I was high. You know, that motherfucker. <laughs> well, I stole most of my pills. Yeah. Uh, so I never was buying them on the black market. And I had a problem, you know, I had this image I needed to keep. You know, I was this businessman, this engineer, and mm-hmm. kids and family and all this you know and 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 the last thing i could think about was like going and getting up and getting caught in some dealer's house or buying drugs you know so and that's insane too you know so i thought well hell i'll just break in houses and steal them yep yeah <laughs> that seemed like a better alternative i don't yeah. want to get caught at the dope dealer's house right <laughs> yeah uh, yeah the insanity man if, you know i had okay save me a lot of money yeah <laughs> me too well you know i did i i i, I was to the point um, where we'll see that's what I used mostly uh, in my you know addiction um, was uh, you know my personality because you know now I see that it's it's definitely truly a gift you know that I can relate to you know virtually any person I meet because I want I, I genuinely want to understand people, you know, I love to get to know people, mm-hmm. um, and now I understand that that connection is vital to uh, any growth that I may have. Because you know, my higher power, God, is what I call Him. He He speaks to me most through others. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. That's the easiest way for Him to communicate with me, and I, I understand that now. But then I used this gift. Uh, to manipulate the shit out of people, right. you know, yeah. I could, I could seriously sit here and rob somebody blind, right? And I would, I'd be the only person there, but they just would. There's no way Sean was the one who did it. There's yeah. no way. And of course, I know I've heard many times people say the same story. I was the guy, of course, that just got them for whatever it was I got them for—money, dope that they left out, or something like that—and I would. Help them look yeah, for it the whole damn time. And help you look for it. Yeah, them. I was that guy. Me too. I was that guy. I did that with my mom. Yeah. Primarily is the one that kicks me in the heart the worst is to actually steal her drugs. And then she would call me up because uh, she didn't think she was called me up, try to help her sleuth out who was doing it. Mm-hmm. I'd sit there and go, I don't know. And I threw other people, you know, plenty of people under the bus too. Mm. Oh, I did too. I said, well, maybe it was. Daryl, maybe it was, you know, whoever, you know, those are made up names, but I would lead her on down the path away from me. Yeah, I did that too. Did that with my poor stepson also. You know, man, I was bad, dude. I would would steal from my wife, right? My wife's not one of us. You know, God bless her heart, this woman. I swear, um, you know, the things I put her through over that last 11 years— Man, oh man. But I would always 
steal from her, right? After a while, she got pretty smart, and she couldn't even leave her money in her purse, man. She would put, she would sleep with it in her pocket. Mm. But of course, where there's a will, there's a way. I still got that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. She try to hide it in pillowcases and all that shit. Yeah, I end up finding it. But yeah, my mom started buying uh, those pill safes and locking her stuff up. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'd find a way to get in them. Yeah. Oh hell, I'd take the whole damn safe if I had to at that time. I was bad, man. Did nothing else matter to me? Nothing else mattered to me but to cater to the uh, you know to to my disease at that moment. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that's exactly what I was doing. And I, you know, I was, I okay. I had this this room. All right. On the let's just see, the last uh, eleven years of my using. This was while with my wife and baby girl, you know, I had this room that I called the man cave. Okay. Now in this room, there's nothing manly because I'm not much of a manly man. I just called it that anyways, because I tell her baby girl to keep her ass out because there's serious business going on in here and I need to attend to it. You know, manly stuff, stay out. So that's what I did. That was my escape. I would lock myself in this room for days days at a time and uh then you know because i was all tweaked out been up for weeks um i I would start to set up cameras all over the house right all over the house and just watch everybody um like i need to be watching anybody if anything these people need to be watching my crazy ass but i would sit there and i would tweak man and there was times where i would always um you know still from the wife's purse and then i would blame it on my stepson right and she never believed me well one time i did catch him on camera on camera grabbing her purse now i knew that there wasn't anything in that purse because she done hid the shit because of me right but that's all i needed man i was like yes yes see i told you i showed her the video i told you it wasn't me it wasn't me of course she didn't believe it she already knew i was full of shit anyways you know it's unreal, man. It's yeah. Like she, so she would just continue. You know, they continue to dance with us. Yeah. You know, it's a. It, all reality, they could boot our ass out the door. Hell yeah. But but, so many times they don't, man. Man, I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm so grateful for the people like her, my sister, uh, even my dad. Um, you know, um, that you know seen something in me you know and believed in me even when i couldn't believe in myself because if i didn't have that i'm telling you i'd have went to the bitter end no doubt line in that book says something the patience of mothers and wives yep yep absolutely goes goes deeper than that too you know my my dad was one you know he just always supported me you know yeah maybe you know and not in like the enabling way necessarily although there probably was some of that he could have probably but he just always had my back, man. Yeah. You know, no matter how bad I screwed up, mm-hmm. uh, he was still standing there. You know, he never never poofed on me, never did, you know. And, and all he had to do was look at me, too, and I knew. You know, he didn't have to yell at me. He didn't have to do anything. Right. Uh, disappointing him, even still today, 51 years old. Last thing in the world I want to do is disappoint him. Yeah. But I did it over and over and over and over and over. You know, uh, the the beauty in that one miracle is that now he actually sees who I am today. Yeah. And he knows what we're out here doing now. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, when I got a guy out here and I'm doing 12-step work, he knows what that is. Absolutely. And uh, he shows up for my sobriety birthdays and thanks those guys in that room for saving me. Yeah. And not a birthday goes by that he don't walk up and tell my sponsor that. That's awesome. Yeah. Bogs me up talking about it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And they were right, you know. And that's that's the thing I see, too, when I'm working with guys, you know. And you see these, you know, we, we come in here thinking we're such a mess and we're so bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, all this just kicking ourselves like crazy, you know, about how bad we are and how, uh, you know, how stupid and how we effed everything up. And, yeah. Uh, you know, but down underneath that, man, that you, with almost without a doubt, I've never run into anybody that I thought was actually bad. Right. It's got to get the sickness off of them, man. That's it. And uh, what I'm finding is actually the opposite. I got a crew of brothers specifically, and I talk about my guys because that's just where my heart lies. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know they're live and die people, man. They're no matter what club. Yeah. Uh, support like I, you know you'd saying something about you know and that is another one of those ones like i was saying earlier about finding the presence and the drugs that allowed us to be present in the moment forget the past mm-hmm. and now we're looking at that now you know and that book says something about fellowship we crave and we were talking about that in the podcast the other day that when i first started drinking and doping mm-hmm. i was craving fellowship with these guys yeah you know and now i have that yeah. except for what i have today is true yeah absolutely real real true love for one another mm-hmm Yes. So 11 years of, uh, was that the marriage duration? You used that 11 years a couple of times, like if there was some particular time, you know, that, that as a time span means something to you. Yeah, well, the <clears throat> the last 11 years prior to this 22 months that I've got, a little over like 22 my, months. Up until my current sobriety date. Yes, up until my current sobriety date, the last 11 years was the ultimate worst, you know. That's where... My disease progressed to a certain level. I, you know, that just blows me away to this day. Um, you know, because that's when I started doing the uh, meth and whatever opiate. You know, very heavy, and that was the time. I say the eleven years because that's how long. Well, now wife and I have been together for twelve years. Um, the first five years, we still married. Yes, yeah. The first five years, which I, you know, I spent pretty much in and out of, uh, you know, jail. I did four years, nine months, but I didn't do that altogether. I had an eight-year sentence, right? Um, And that was actually from uh, when I was 28 years old. Right about the time baby girl was born um, was when I first caught, you know, my first felony. And uh, I remember, you know, the judge even gave me an opportunity, you know, to get out of jail. I'd been, I was locked up in Hardin County at the time. Gave me the opportunity to get out and do something because he realized I was arrested for trafficking methamphetamines and I had, you know, uh, other shit on me, um, paraphernalia and all this and that. And, uh, but he did, you know, see that it's pretty evident that I had a drug problem, you know, um, and he, Tried to let me, tried, you know, and I, fe- I look back now, and this is God. He was trying to help me out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's it, trying to give me chances to see um, in myself what everybody else was seeing. And, um, you know, of course. It falls under that what a human power is trying to relieve your alcoholism. Yeah. The judge is one of them. Yep, absolutely. And you couldn't do it. No, could not. I tried. 
Yep, and I they tried. handed you that stuff, you know. Cause, yeah. I mean, how much? I have to believe too, you know. And it's two. There's two fields. It's the legal system, you know, with the judges and the prosecutors and all that that deal with us, and the healthcare system too. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think the vast majority of people that land in a hospital in crisis or land in jail in crisis, the root is some substance, yeah, some, some alcoholism, addiction, mm-hmm. something like that. So they try to say, hey, uh, Sean. I'm gonna give you opportunity if you want to clean your stuff up. You mm-hmm. can you can kind of have the easier, softer way here if yeah. you want it. And uh, I couldn't, you know, until that last time I couldn't hear it. Right. Yeah. No. And then once I didn't follow through with that, I was locked in the system. You know. Right, yeah. Because so you did it in spurts. These little what yep. get released out yep. of good behavior kind of stuff, and then gave me multiple screw chances it up and be back in again. Absolutely. Every time. Every time uh, I would get in. Um, and that, you know, through from the age of 13 all the way up until, you know, let's just say at the age of 28 when I first started doing this time that I had, right? Um, the, that's the longest stint of sobriety that I can remember um, because as soon as I started, man, like I said, I, I was full throttle every single day. All my friends are stopping. I'm still trying to get high on something every single day, even while in school. didn't matter what I was doing. That's what I did. Um, so I seriously, the, the longest stint of sobriety would be when I was locked up. But of course, because I'm street savvy and this and that, I know who to talk to. And, you know, so I even got high when I was locked up. Hell, I was so bad off when it got locked up. There ain't a vegetable that you can name that I ain't tried to smoke. Yeah. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. Sure did. And it's funny because, you know, we would do it with Bible paper, of course, right? That's how you would smoke uh, cigarettes or anything when you're locked up. And uh, uh, I think one time we took a whole bunch of peas, set them up on top of the TV, and uh, some lettuce and all kinds of shit. Let it dry. And once you do this, anything that produces smoke is what we're doing. Now, I remember this clearly. My dude's over here. This guy, well, just somebody I was locked up with. He's over smoking it. And, uh, you know, smoke's coming out. And I'm like, so, man, I mean, did you feel anything off of it? In my mind, I'm thinking that I'm going to be able to get high off of smoking these freaking vegetables. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm hoping for. And he was like, man, you know, I'm going to be all the way honest. Uh, it, You know, I was like, how did it make you feel? He's like, I'll be all the way real. It just gave me an excruciating headache. But it does produce smoke. So I was like, all right, sign me up, man. Let me hit I'll it. I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. It's going to do something different for me. All I got from that was an excruciating headache. Yeah. Did it again with different shit. I think the, I even smoked corn. The insanity of what this buzz chasing is. You know, yeah. That, you know, uh, yeah. Dirt. Yeah, it, if it, if I had an iota that it might change the way I feel, mm-hmm. uh, I will try it. Oh, yeah. If you would have told me 22 months ago if I clipped off my toenails and I put them into a pipe yeah. and smoked them that I would get high, I assure you, you I would have done it. Yeah. That's how bad I was. Yeah. That's how bad I was. Ended up doing 27 months my first time down. Uh, I was in treatment for... Uh, at this place called Sober Solutions, actually, back in 2011. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. And I got yep. a sponsee that come out of there, Charlie. Yeah. Okay. I know Charlie. Uh, yeah, I do know Charlie. It's my man's right there. I love him. Yeah, I was there. Sponsee. Yeah, I was there back in the day with him. Yeah, yeah, actually. He had a stint a while back and then had a yeah. period of sobriety and then ended up back there again. And yeah. That's where he got his current sobriety date. Yeah. He's rocking it, too. Yes, he is. I remember seeing him at the Spiritual Underground meeting. Yeah. It's like, Charlie, my man. 
Yeah. Yep. Sobers does a good job, man. I mean, we try to, you know, you get these, you can hear these avenues uh, of dudes, you know, trying to get sober. And mm-hmm. that's one of them, point a guy at, you know, here's some, you know, uh, you know, what makes it happen when it happens, I don't know, you know. But, yeah. Uh, one thing I always have known is that you know, that old we, we beat it to death in here is doing that same old thing over and over. You know, mm-hmm. like, he gets sober, it's over. Go back there again, go back there again, go back. Probably I'll try someplace else. You know? Yeah. I don't know what, what yep. that is. You know, I went to a bunch of meetings for a long time and could not get any kind of real sobriety. And then I landed at Spiritual Underground, the bell went off. You know, I don't, I don't know how or what exactly, you know. Yeah. But and, and somebody else's Spiritual Underground is sober, you know, and somebody else's is. The healing place. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Had many chances. Did 27 months, first time down. And that's uh, in prison. Yep. Uh, I did my time at Class D facilities uh-huh. uh, because I was what's called a level one. So I was able to be locked up at these Class D facilities, which um, uh, at these facilities usually they have, like, I can go outside and work on a work crew, you know. And I'm, I'm locked down whenever I'm at jail, but throughout the week uh, I have. I was able to go out and work also, really sped time up. And yeah, whatnot. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And then the judge said, well, parole board said that I could, uh, <clears throat> you know, do um, a six-month um, SAP program, which is just a substance abuse program while incarcerated, and I would be able to get out. Couldn't even hack that, man. I ended up doing three of them. Um, got kicked out of two. <laughs> uh, each one I got kicked out of. I was kicked out rightfully so. Because I was trying to get high and stuff like that while being there. Uh, last one I finished was just, that's where I got my first glimpse of, you know, um, of what it took to do something different, you know. was at my last treatment. It was actually Fulton County SAP, actually. I was locked up there, and that's where I actually finished the program. Mm. Got let out, parole, messed that up too, went back in. Got out again on parole, and uh, you know that's that's well. Like I said, that was a four, four four years, nine months of that. But any time that I was out, I was on the run, you know, um, because I would not go see the PO or something like that because I was high or something like that, and I I, I was always on the run. But every time I was on the run, like one time I I was on the run for about fifteen months. When I got locked back up, I had to do all that time, you know. That's what I did. I ended up serving out that eight years altogether. That, when that was four years, nine months. I think the last little bit of time that I had, I did on parole, was like six months. Because that's at half. Uh, yeah, you do a percentage of it yeah. when you're locked up. Yeah, yeah. that's what you get know, and I don't have that in my history. But that, uh, you want a bottle of water? Yes, please. Thank you. Fill my sparkling waters. <laughs> uh, there's one of them too, one of them ice kind of things. You better have it. Water sparkling water. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. you. Come down to, you know, and I know some of this is uh, intimidation factor because it's the way the justice system works. But they told me I was, you know, that six to twenty years is what they told me when I went down the first time mm-hmm. for that burglary stuff. And yeah. uh, and they come down to six pretty quick, but they stayed there for a long time, you know, and people were saying, oh, don't worry about it. you only going to have to do three. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. Right. Only. Yep. 
uh, man, I'm glad I escaped that piece of the history of the story, you know, and I know once again, that's just a yet. I hadn't done that yet. Yeah. So when you got, when you finally served this out, come out still getting high, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time. Even after that last, the one, the substance abuse program I finished at Fulton County, um, I think <clears throat> probably, you know, uh, ballpark time frame. I think I did pretty decent um, the first two weeks I was out, but I didn't do what they suggested as soon as I got out, which was, of course, to hit a meeting, you know. I didn't do that. So I drug the family through more shit for even longer. Um, but, uh, you know, like, it's really what it was, was what got me this, the, you know, the time up to my current sobriety date uh, was because, you know, I always did, like, my dirt upon my lonely is what I called it. You know, I was always getting high. I never really drugged baby girl along. Um, never really did anything, you know, around the wife at the time and stuff like that. But, um, you know... The last time before I got sober this last time, I actually took baby girl along with me. Um, it, it was actually on New Year's um, Eve 2019. Um, that's when I had her with me. <clears throat> and I was trying to take her out to my sister's house, you know, in Taylorsville, driving from Valley Station. So it's a good stretch. And uh, I remember I went over there because at this time I've probably been up, like I said, for about two weeks. So I'm falling out and stuff like that. And for me, it was never thought like, you know, taking a nap or going to sleep was never an option for me. I just needed more dope. So I ended up going, taking her over here to, the, to, to my plugs house or whatever and uh, get what I wanted and then tried to drive to take her there well on uh, on the expressway i began to fall out and now this is the first time baby girl's actually seen it firsthand you know what i mean like uh she may have seen me like not out on the couch or something like that at the house but she ain't never seen me fall straight out while driving 70 miles an hour yeah. so she was terrified um so i get off of the expressway i get on to uh uh, you know, right there, Bargetown Road, just so I could hurry up and stop at a gas station. Now, what I was thinking was that I was going to go in there, grab some coffee, grab an energy drink, grab something to eat, and hit that bathroom so I can hurry up and do some shit. You know what I mean? Try to pick me up a little bit. Yeah. Um, come out, and, uh, you know, I remember, baby girl to this day, she says that, because I, I was trying to also kind of make her feel comfortable. So I was thinking I was going to bribe her with some ice cream. Now, baby girl to this day argues with me about this. She's probably right because I probably don't remember exactly anyways. But she said that even when I got the ice cream, I ate damn near all of it too. <laughs> and I was getting it to bribe her and make her feel better about what's happening. Make her forget about what's happening. She says, no, Dad, you actually ate the ice cream too. I was like, damn, was that that much of a piece of shit? I, you're 
you're probably right. But when I get into the car, um, the bathroom was closed. I couldn't go in there, so I didn't get to go do what I wanted to do. It wouldn't have made no difference anyways. I've been doing, you know, the same amount of drugs for days at this time. Um, but the bathroom was closed, so I didn't even have that chance. Get out in the car, baby girl turns and looks at me, and she says, Daddy, she's like, uh, I don't feel safe with you right now. Now, even as high as I was, been up for as long as I was, um, when she said that, it hit me in a spot that ain't never been hit before. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt that. Yeah. Whatever it was, I felt it, and I didn't like it. And, you know, because all the time of all the, 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 the last, you know, 11 years prior to this sobriety day, it's where I was at my absolute worst, was with her, you know, wifey in my life. Um, you know, out of all those times, I still had baby girls love and trust, you know? Like, people was talking bad about me, and if you did so around this daughter of mine, she wasn't having it. She would call people out. She didn't care if they were right or wrong. She still felt like I was Superman. She still felt like they was wrong. And they sh- if they're going to say something about her daddy, it damn sure better be good when she's around. And that's how baby girl was. But So in that moment, you know, even, like I said, as high as I was, as many days, weeks I've been up, man, it made me think. I'm like, damn, now I lost this too. This is the last thing that I had that actually made me feel human, that actually made me feel like I had just a little bit of good in me still because she still believed in me. And in the moment, I felt like I lost that too, you know? And I tried to assure her. I'm like, ah, you know, I teared up and everything at that time. And, you know, even to this day, thinking about it, still, it still, you know, it still hits, you know? But I remember looking at her and I was just like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Daddy's got this. So I tried to continue driving, taking her to my sister's house. And, uh, man, I even fell out again on just, you know, two lane road, you know, one, one way, one this way. And I, fell out then and there was a car braked in front of me almost freaking hit the car i had to stop swerved off the road went to a ditch mail i hit a mailbox on baby girl's side of the car she's like dad you just hit that mailbox i said no i didn't <laughs> you're tripping don't worry about it we're good <laughs> yeah drove on through ended up getting to uh all the way to my sister's driveway well, actually i'm sorry almost to my sister's driveway uh, I don't, God definitely is the only reason why we got there. You know what I mean? I, I, I understand that now. I see that now. And uh, I remember, you know, even though. You can have a bottle of water too if you want one. Yeah, she, she could drink that. It's fine. Even though that, that was so traumatizing to her, this little girl, you know, I damn near killed her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she wouldn't have deserved to have lost her life but if that happened i damn sure deserved it because you know i didn't give a shit about her life at that time i really didn't and really the only reason why i was even taking her to my sister's house was because i was trying to get rid of her so i can continue doing catering to my disease you did but the fact of the matter is your your operating system was hijacked yes no doubt and i remember when we get there the police pulled me over state trooper got up behind me pulled me over and uh you know, even though she was just recently traumatized more than she ever been in her whole entire life, I'm pretty sure the whole entire time she was in that car with me, she she was in fear for her life. Man, nothing hurt her more than when she seen that cop take me away. Mm. 
Yep. And that, I mean, that hit me. And that's what's so crazy. Okay, because that happened, right? And then I get locked up, right? Because there's no other possible way. Look, right before this happened, my wife looked at me in my face for the first time ever. And she said, with a look I ain't never seen before, a look of certainty, that if I didn't do something about my shit, about my disease, if I didn't do something about it, she was going to leave me. That happened two days prior to this. And then she looks at me and she says, Daddy, I don't feel safe with you. You know, these two things happen. And then I get locked up. And now even with it's, it's crazy because I get locked up and I had this most amazing just spiritual experience is what I feel like it was. That was just it just I mean, it takes my breath away just thinking about it, mm. because what happened was I get locked up because, like I said, that's the only way I was going to get sober. There was no other way God knew it. He had to force me. You know, this is the only way. He's trying to save my life. I'm just not ever catching on to, you know, not picking up what he's putting down here. You know, I'm not digging what he's burying because I'm so consumed by this lifestyle that I have lived my entire life. I feel like there's no other way. And uh, I get locked up. I remember being on the floor. Now, I'm a pretty big fella, okay? And they put me on this mat that is like this. So when my big ass lays on it, it ain't even a mat, man. I'm just laying on the floor, this dirty ass floor in this jail. Worst withdrawals I've ever had my entire life. I remember in that moment, uh, you know, I ended up praying. And I was praying, man, I was... All I wanted, I was like, God, please, look, I know that I, you know, deserve this, but uh, could you just give me enough peace for a second? Just let me feel good for just 20 minutes so I can sleep for that. That's all. Uh, you know, I'll take 10 minutes, but I'll preferably 20 minutes if you can give it to me. And in that moment, I remember that God was like, yeah, hell to the gnaw. You're going to feel this because this is all from what you, this is what you've been avoiding your whole life. And on top of that, this is all you're doing. You've brought this pain upon yourself every single time, giving you multiple chances. Now I'm, I'm thinking this shit in my head, but, and then what happened was so beautiful because I'm telling you, man, might not be exact, but let's just say five minutes after that prayer, the inmates in the jail started helping me, man. One dude, they didn't give me a towel when I come in. Now, I'm shitting and puking on myself, right? These guys help me up. This one dude gives me his only towel. He care, he, he drags my big ass to the shire, mm. helps me in there, right? Gives me his towel. When I come out, like I said, I told you I had that mat that was non-existent when I laid on it. When I come out, these guys got me what we call when you're locked up a Cadillac mat, mm. big ass thing like this. They got that for me. Got me a new jumpsuit because I just previously shit on my other one, right? Yeah. Got me that. Now, here's the thing. I've been locked up many times, man, many times. And usually when you have a fella like myself at that time that's in the cell shitting and projectile puking, you know, and then not even able to clean up their own puke, they do, what's, they, they do what is called put you on the door, right? Which means either A, I need to get up and check myself out of the dorm, out of the cell, or else B, they're going to beat my ass to the door and make me leave because they don't want this kind of problem in the cell. Yep. But God didn't, you know, God made the complete opposite happen. Wow. And also when you're locked up, 
getting a CO to come to the door, especially at the time of night that I was at, we're talking, this is probably, I don't know, midnight at this time, is merely impossible. Yep. Somehow, they managed to get not only a CO to come to my door, but also to have me a new jumpsuit, another towel, and a big fluffy well, it looked fluffy. It was still pretty much like sleeping on yeah. boulders. It was better. Yeah, it was definitely better, and it's the thought that counted. And they got me all these things before I even got out of the shower. And in that moment, man, I had a – it was brief, but I had a moment of clarity. I was like, okay, I get what you're saying, God, you know. All I have to do, I have to feel this, no doubt. I understand that. This is what this is my problems of my own doing. This pain is all from me. All I have to do is to let somebody help me. That's it. That's all I needed to do. I had that brief moment in, in that time. Get on the phone with baby girl. Uh, she starts crying immediately. I mean, a worst cry that I've ever heard before. It was she. There was some serious pain coming from her. And I explained to baby girl on the phone, I said, look, I know there's a lot about daddy that you don't understand. But I'm telling you, this time it's going to be different. When I get out of here, Daddy's going to do something different. And I'm going to explain everything to you. You know, I'm going to let you know what's really going on with Daddy. Here's what's crazy. Now, even after that, even after that beautiful spiritual experience, you know, even after I see baby girl told me on the phone, she says, Daddy, you know, I don't really get, care what's going on with you. I don't care what you did to get in there. I just want you back home, you know man that's yeah. powerful you know yeah man mm. okay and that's so crazy because this is how cunning baffling and powerful my disease is man because even after that right had that beautiful conversation with baby girl had that i mean undeniable spiritual experience happen you know god really showed he revealed himself right there i says holy shit i it is you know he is real um even with all that, the first thing that I did when I got out was had to get one more. Mm. Wasn't concerned about hanging out with baby girl. All those promises you made HP that yep. said if you'll just do this, yep. it's all out the window. Yep. yep. Had to get one more. I did agree to go to treatment. My brother-in-law, he uh, he, he asked when I, because my sister was coming to get me to pick me up from jail when it was time for me to get out. I was locked up at that time for about uh 15 days or something like that you know about two weeks about two weeks or maybe a little bit less but anyways um my sister agreed to come get me as long as i agreed to go to treatment yeah. right yeah. um so of course first thing yeah, man my poor sister too you know i ended up putting her she seen my my disease at full throttle for the first time ever because she was wanting to take me uh, to her house i was like no nah, i gotta go back over here first stop to me. yeah i have to grab this other stuff she's like yeah you're lying of course i had the my dope man woman whatever uh bring me something right then and there and then i agreed to go to treatment right and like I said, first thing was I had to get me a sack. Uh, even after the worst withdrawals ever in my life, um, I mean, they were rough. I didn't eat anything for nine days. It was terrible. Also, another thing, when I was in there, God showing out, man, the guys would bring me my tray every day. Hmm. Bring me my tray. They would grab it, give it to me. I'd take a bite, projectile puke. These guys would clean up my puke, and I would give the tray to whomever it was who grabbed me that tray that day. Man, I mean, 
undeniable. Yeah, you know what I mean? But I get out. I come. I I, I, I agree to go to treatment. And I, you know, I got my sack first thing. Got me a little bit of H and a little bit of meth. And uh, baby girl and wifey come over to my sister's house in Taylorsville from Valley Station. They came out and seen me one night. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there. I was already hired in a kite. Wasn't even thinking about hanging out with baby girl. But I agreed to go to treatment. And I, my disease was still full throttle at this time because I tried to tell my brother-in-law. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll agree to go to treatment. But you have to find somewhere outside of Louisville because, you know, Louisville's my stomping grounds. There's not a place you could take me to where I ain't going to do what I normally do. So I'm thinking in my mind that this is going to buy me some more time. You know what I'm saying? Surely God will take him a little bit long. Negotiation mode. He found a gosh dang place in two days, man. (laughs) Two days. I said, shit. I was hoping to have some more time so I can get high for a lot longer. Um, but, man, and, and that's crazy because even at that time, now I've been up the whole weekend. I got out of jail that on a Thursday. I've been high all the way up until, you know, Tuesday when he's about to take me to treatment. And even at that time, after I agreed, had my shit packed and everything, I agreed, still damn near made him tase me to get me into the car. But thank God that at that moment that my disease couldn't convince me that that was going to be a good idea because my brother-in-law for certain would have he actually literally had a taser on him i was like nah bro you're gonna have to tase me to get me in that car he's like well okay i will i'm going to if you don't get into the car it's like we can do this easy way or we can do this the hard way you're going yeah you're right you know what let's pass that one let's go ahead and get in the car being tased doesn't sound like a good sound idea. Sound like a buzzkill for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know that buying time, man. You know, and that's the interesting thing too, because I mean, that's that's just so quintessential for an addict, alcoholic. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. That's what tomorrow. I did my whole life. Always tomorrow. Always next time. Yeah. Give me a couple more days. Yeah. This weekend, I'll do it. You know, that's when I'll start. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did the entire time. So you mentioned the treatment place. You said, that, where was it? Liberty Ranch what? in a place called Kings Mountain, Kentucky. Huh. Yeah. And it was way the hell out there, man. Uh, way out there. Um, close to a place called Stamford, Kentucky. Um, about an hour drive, about four to five minutes to an hour from uh, Lexington. Um, I, yeah. I never knew any of it existed until I was there. But, you know, it was just what I needed. I wanted to stay longer, um, but I was financially compromised. Um, yeah, because I didn't have the money to stay. This place, uh, it was pretty expensive. And like I said, now my my brother-in-law, my sister, my best friend, uh, all these people's putting up, you know, a couple thousands of dollars just to try to get me a couple more months in this place. Yeah. And... Um, how long did you say? Three months. Three months was all I could afford. They kept trying to, you know, get more money out of the fam, but, you know, neither here nor there. I took what was on and left what was off from that place, and it definitely was exactly what I needed. Because somewhere within that first three months of my sobriety is when something clicked. I heard somebody say, uh, a man named Steve that worked there, that anything you put before your sobriety, you're going to lose anyways. And then also I heard uh, a a man with about 15 years of sobriety say at one of these meetings, he was like, man, you know, after all the times I've tried to do this thing, he was like, 
you know, the, 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 the last time up until his current sobriety date, he prayed and he asked God, just please help me get what I've been missing all these other times. And I prayed that. And somewhere along that first three months, not sure when it was, I started to realize um, that, you know, I, I had to do this for myself. Sure, baby girl was a good mo- motivator. Wifey was a great motivator. But there was no way I was going to do this unless I did it for myself. And I started to believe that um, I owed it to myself to be the best version of me that I could be. And I truly believed that um, the only way I was going to you know, be somebody I ain't never been was if I did something that I ain't never did. And, you know, getting out and taking all the suggestions that that was suggested to me from that treatment center, hitting a meeting first thing, you know, ASAP and and starting to build this foundation, loading that phone up with nothing but sober contacts. And, uh, um, you know, I did it. I did it all. You know, I was blessed with the gift of desperation. Um, But, yeah, it was just that I, I realized that I had to do it for me. Even came a point in early sobriety where I had to choose, you know, because wifey already had this house and everything. But you see, I I knew that I wasn't ready to go back to where I was, you know what I mean, for the last 11 years of of just nonsense. I knew I wasn't ready. And I had to make that decision. Baby girl was sitting begging and asking me to come stay because at the time I was staying with my aunt and uncle. Um, uh, you know, God blessed me with that too. They actually let me stay with them when I had nowhere else to go. And these people I've isolated from, avoided for 20 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Out of nowhere, she calls my dad up and says, Hey, we're on board with whatever Sean's doing. He can come stay with us. Mm -hmm. So I did. And she's begging me to come home and I ain't quite through my 12 steps yet. You know what I mean? Uh, called my sponsor about it and stuff like that and i realized that man i at least you know i got a whole lot more work to do on me before i could even begin to think about being the father she deserves or the husband wifey deserves you know and i took that time i took that time and i did them 12 steps and you know man how god has blessed me in more ways than i could have ever imagined through this thing yeah man yeah Uh uh-oh so that was down there in Kentucky. You got after ninety days or so, you just rolled back into Louisville. Is that where? Yep, yep. My sister came, picked me back up, picked me up from there, and, and that's where you went to aunt and uncles. And you know, the other blessing, you know, uh, is is you know landing back here because the recovery community in Louisville in the Louisville area is fantastic. It's awesome. Uh, you know, we a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people don't have what we have as far as what's at our fingertips. Uh, right. Uh, and as many meetings and everything going on here. Yeah. Uh, so, like, um, so you worked the 12 steps with this sponsor before moving back home. Yeah. But yep. when you finally ended up, how, how did that look? Did you end up, like, I mean, was it, like, get through the steps and move back home? Or was there still some got yeah. done? Still more? No, 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 no. There was still more work for me. I ended up, you know, once I got done with the steps, and that's another thing my sponsor suggested. He was like, you know, you need to give yourself as much time as you can. This is actually an opportunity for you, for yep. you to stay at your aunt and uncle's house. This is an opportunity for you to focus solely on you yep. because really, you know what this is all about. It's, you know, it's an inward job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of shit that I ain't never dealt with ever before, you know, and I knew I need to take a look at a lot of things. 
Um, so no, you know, once I finished the 12 steps, I was actually, it was, it was crazy because when I got out of treatment, uh, nothing went as planned, you know, like how my mind thought it was going to go. Like I'm thinking, oh, you know, three months sober for the first time ever, you know, and I, this is the first time I've done it for myself. So everybody's going to treat me and, 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 and talk to me and, and, and look at me a certain way now, differently than what they always have. But, uh, you know, that's not how it went. You know, when I come home, I'm still definitely suffering repercussions of my past. My sister and my brother-in-law were definitely, you know, they're smart. They're, they're protecting themselves from my disease is what yeah, they was yeah. doing. But uh, shit went south. It was all bad. Um, but anyways, it was just, you know, them holding on to the old me, which, of course, three months sober, the old me is still very much there. Yeah. But they... Uh, and we put people through so many years of stuff, you know, right. and, and, and that's a pretty typical thing too, you know. Yeah, you kind of, absolutely. You get a little bit, get a little. I mean, a little bit of time under your belt, and you think, okay, you know, right now I that. can do all this. Where's stuff? my parade? Yeah, uh, you know, but everything happened exactly as it was supposed to because it's exactly what I needed. Because what happened was, um, it didn't work out with me staying at the sister's house. You know, uh, when I got out of treatment, just an argument went down, and you know. Uh, like I said, simply just repercussions of my past. You know, I might be done with my past, but my past is far from done with me, yeah. you know, at this moment. And uh, it's cool. I could see that. So I didn't, there was no resentment there. I understood what was happening, but I also understood that I wasn't going to be able to stay here. Um, so my dad was completely on board. He said that the way he's seen me handle that situation, he's never seen this side of me ever. He says he fully supports me and he'll take me wherever I want to go. So Pops took me to... Uh, we, we went to a meeting the next day. First one we found was at the old token club, you know, there off of DuPont or whatever. And um, there was a hotel right over there ne next to that, walking distance. And I said, Pops, man, just go ahead. And, I, you know, I had a little bit of money that I saved, you know, that I made from working um, for the uh, owner of the Liberty Ranch um, at the time. So I had, you know, about $600 or so in my pocket. And so it's enough to get me a room, you know what I mean? And uh, so, of course, you know, I gave that to Pops. Pops gave that to the wife, and, and the wife met us over here at this hotel, and we got me a room, and we're just going to kind of go from there, you know, because I wanted to be close to the token club. And that's exactly what I did. Hmm. Every single day staying at this hotel for a week, I walked to the token club every single day. Rain, it didn't matter. I was in. I was. I was over there. That's where I met so many amazing people. Yeah. Uh, it's where I first met my sponsor. The whole entire foundation, uh, the whole entire support group that I have, or what I like to call my sober squad, was all, you know. Then and then it just so happened, you know, when I was starting to, I was alone in this hotel room, um, really just starting to feel, you know, like damn, I messed a lot of shit up because nobody is willing to help me yeah. but uh my you know at the time i had a different sponsor than my sponsor now but he told me you know this is just a situation that you're just going to have to get on the stronger side of god for you need to pray and i did next day that's when my aunt uncle called my dad and said whatever is going on they're on board they let me stay it just so happens that where they live at ain't nothing but 10 minutes away from the new token club location you know what i mean yeah. I was like, wow, that ain't a sign, you know. And that's what I did. Went and stayed with them and uh, continue hitting up. Uh, I did the 90 and 90, you know. 
shit. Some days I do about that. yeah, I did about three or four meetings in a day sometimes. Yeah, yeah, man, and that's uh. We say it takes what it takes or whatever, but you know that is going to every, every any length. You know, yeah. there's a dude who is grasping at this thing like the flimsy reed thing. You know, yeah. and, and and you see people that want it like that, uh, they break through the other side. Yeah, that was another thing somebody said to me that really stuck was, uh, you know, if I could just use a fraction, just a fraction of the ambition that I had to get high. Yep. towards my recovery yep. i was surely the state to get sober you know yep. Yep. and i decided that i was going to put all that into it and more if i could you know it's what i did yeah that's what i did a guy will come to me and you know and, and i ask him how many meetings are going to a week you know and it'd be one i'm like well that ain't going to do it Mm-mm. if you knew <laughs> you know that ain't you don't make it and, you know they want to put all the reasons and then uh the guys that'll tell me why all the reasons why they can't do you know why i can't do this and why i can't do that you know and right off the bat i'm like well you ain't even close yeah you know uh, before i even ask you to do anything you're telling me why you can't do it right yeah and uh yeah. didn't sound like there was any can't in that in the in that time period for you mm-hmm. uh, not at all not at all i was with i i understood what it meant to let go absolutely you know i've lived uh you know i learned so much in that first three months but what i what i really the most wonderful tool that i learned how to use was the fellowship that was yeah. the main thing i learned at being in treatment yep. you know yep. the fellowship and how you know how important it was for me to communicate and voice things because i do understand that the disease of mine is right here lives in my brain so if i keep all this shit you know in there with it it'll use it against me at any moment that's the base definition of spiritually sick yeah right if i keep that in there that sickens my spirit yeah and 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 i'm just going to go back where i was you know i have to expel this stuff i have to release it and and let it go i say i got to discharge all that negative energy to the universe through, yeah. through safe people. Yeah, absolutely. They don't think I, you know, because yeah. we're all nuts, right? Yes, and we so are. When me and you talk, you know, there's no judgment, you know, right? Because you can't carry that stuff everywhere. No, take that to the wrong place, and they're locking you back up again. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm trying not to talk about, it, but I'm, I'm I, and I also don't. Uh, but I got a couple guys right now that are playing this game, man. That are wanting to do this little bit of you know show up here and there, and you know, uh, whoops, can't make a meeting tonight, and mm-hmm. whoops, uh, can't can't you know we got meeting time to do the step work, you know, and 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 whoops, can't make it tonight, you know, and I, you know, and this is not the formula. We mm-hmm. have a formula. We have a recipe. Yeah. And uh, and then other the thing that you brought up, Eris, not plugging into this community. You know, as far as I'm concerned, and I tell people this when I get a chance to, and people kind of have heard it a million times. You know, I tell people I have the best sponsor in the world, and if you don't think yours is, keep looking. That's right, because he's out there someplace. Yep. And I have the best home group in the entire universe. Yeah, I do, and that don't mean yours ain't. I right. Hope yours is, and if you don't think it is, keep looking. Yeah. Because I found a bunch of guys that I can actually plug into and really do this thing called life mm-hmm. side by side for real. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that existed before coming here. Yeah, me neither. I thought it was, uh, and even in the beginning when I saw these guys at the Spiritual Underground doing this, I couldn't get to believe in it was real. Yeah. There was some there was some loophole in that someplace, you know, there was, this is gamesmanship or all for show. 
and and I had to keep coming back. That's part of that keep coming back. I get to see your consistency, mm-hmm. right? Because if uh, you tell me to keep coming back and I keep coming back and you ain't there, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> then hold on a minute, yeah. you know. And I kept on seeing these guys, you know, these folks here all the time, and really doing, you know, walking the walk that they were talking. Mm-hmm. And I had to be hanging around to see that that was real, absolutely. Because right? my disease didn't want my disease wanted to find every reason why they were full of shit. Mm-hmm. Me too. You, you know, t- tapping me on the shoulder, wanting me to walk. Yep. Yep. How'd it go moving back in? It went, it, you know, it was, uh, it had to be a bumpy road. It was a bumpy road. It was a bumpy road. Um, you know, thank God, um, that this wife of mine, you know, she, uh, because hell she, we've known each other since we was 13 years old also, Oh wow, yeah. you know, and wifey's never seen anything other than that other guy, that other guy. So, you know. Needless to say, when I first got, you know, when I first really started seriously, you know, working this program, uh, there were some times where she probably didn't like me so much anymore. You know what I'm saying? But of course, at at first, you know, of course, my sponsor, I call him with everything. And uh, what I was doing was, you know, trying to take her inventory. You know what I mean? Now that I'm working this program and I'm trying to apply these spiritual principles to my life, I feel like, you know, she should too. And, uh, but she was patient, man. <laughs> she was patient. And, uh, I got understanding that, um, you know, she has been by my side this whole time. And I had to remember that everybody, you know, needs their own amount of time to travel their own distance yeah. in their very own journey, yeah. you know, and just like she stood by my side this whole damn time. And I had to, you know, I had to realize some things coming in, you know, but it, you know, and that's just it. Wifey's so supportive, man. She was hitting meetings with me all the time. Oh, cool. Hell for my home group, the fourth dimension, she's even helped chair meetings oh, and yeah. shit. Yeah. She, she's big supporter of all of us, you know, Very cool. yeah, and that's, that's what it took. And that's you, the, really what it was kind of coming down to. Like at first I was thinking, because when, when I first got sober, you know, she, she was like, okay, all right. So I haven't had you all this time because you're been high, you know, now I don't have you, you know, because you're sober because, you know, there was things that I had to do. I had to dive all the way into this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, she yeah. didn't quite You're understand missing in action it. under the disease and now I'm missing in action in recovery. Right. So at first, she did kind of start to become resentful. But thank God she was willing to try to understand. And that's when she started really getting into it with me. You know, hitting meetings all the times with me. And she started learning a whole bunch more. Now, there's some things that... She'll never understand, you know, there's, I feel like there's some things that people who aren't alcoholic addicts, they just simply will never be able to fully understand about us. But, um, thank God for wifey. She's willing to accept it. You know what I mean? She's willing to accept whatever I need to do to uh, stay sober. They come and see what we're doing and see something there. Right. You know, they're like, okay. Yeah. And it's hard to understand it. You know, I'm, I'm beginning to get. What's going on here? Yeah, and she's awesome, man. Like, uh, you know, I had this format that my sponsor did with me with the step work. You know, it, it still takes me through, takes you through the 164, um, but it kind of, you know, like a kind of guides you, you know, just a little something because I, I'm really good at complicating shit, so it's good for me to have something. But anyways, to kind of guide me. But anyways, um, wifey, you know, as soon as 
I was done with my steps and I was able to start raising my hand because my sponsor told me, you know, once you're done, you know, it's your responsibility, man, to carry mm -hmm. this message and to continuously extend your hand out to the next alcoholic yeah. addict. You it's, don't get to keep this unless right. you get it away. And that's the only way to keep it. And that's what I've learned with every single blessing in life. Yep. You know, the, the only way I can keep these blessings is if I share them and try to give them back, you know. Yep. Got a yep. full understanding of that. Me too. And thank God wifey's so cool, man, because she went and printed me out a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, uh, step worksheets oh, yeah. for all my sponsees. When I have sponsees, man, she'll, you know, I'll, they'll be on step whatever, whatever, and so I don't have to dig in to the whole yep. pile of step work and sort it out. She'll sort them out for me and put a, a name on the front of it. Okay, this is Greg's step work. I only take for a free, you know, for him out of this packet. You know what I'm saying? So, That's so cool. Yeah. She's fully on board. Administrative assistant. Yeah, this yeah, I need it. And baby girl, whew, she's the main one that uh, holds me to the line at all times, man. It's crazy, yep. you know, and I'm so grateful because that's something I was talking about the other day. Uh, we just recently experienced a death in the family. Mm, uh, it was, it's okay, you know, it's, it, was, it was something, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced a lot of death since I've been sober out of 22 months. Many people that I've grown close to that couldn't get this thing and didn't have a chance to come back, yep. you know what I mean? Um, and that hurts every time, uh, but this was different for me. Because Uncle Mike, I've known since I was, you know, 14 years old, since I've known my wife, you know. Her and, uncle. Huh? Her uncle. Yes, her Uncle Mike, yep. I've known this man since then. And he was always one of those people out of the whole family that even then, when I was 14, all throughout the madness, even at my very worst, he was, you know, him and his wife, Aunt Betty, and um, his daughter, and his son, Jennifer and Jason, Brandy, my wife's cousin and uh, two cousins, um, these people have never, ever, not once, ever looked at me with that same, you know, disgust and, you know, in their eyes, that same judgmental look, which, I mean, you know, people who looked at me this way were definitely entitled to it, no right. doubt. Yeah. But these people never did that, man, you know, never did it. So Uncle Mike was, you know, it hit me in a spot I ain't quite been hit yet since I've been sober. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, it took me a minute, um, to, uh, to, to, well, not make how this made me feel the most important thing to me in that moment. You know what I mean? Like the hurt, I was starting to obsess of that instantly. I was thinking of isolating and shit like that. Uh, and, um, I feel like when I do that, you know, like when I make, how I feel about things or what I think about things or somebody, if I make that the most important thing to me, that's pretty much me, you know, making my feelings bigger than my God. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, thank God for this program because when it that when it happened, uh, people, you know, my support group were there for me, hugged me, embraced me, gave me the perspective I needed, which was, you know, at least this man got to see me get sober and he was very proud of me, always, you know, encouraged me every time he talked to me. But, um, then, what was so beautiful, what made made me realize that, like, at the funeral, it was a tough time for the family. Very tough for all of us. Baby girl was very close to Uncle Mike. Mm. But it was so amazing because even though this is a really tough situation, that with this new set of eyes, I was actually able to see beauty happening at the same damn time. And this child of mine... It was so beautiful because, like, 
She's strong. She's so strong that all the other kids that are actually even older than her, man, they cling to her in that time of mourning. Yeah. You know, and was yeah. feeding off of her strength. It's that ripple effect of us getting sober. Yeah. Like that ripples out. It does. You know? I'm it does. The same thing about my kids. You know, my daughter spoke it for Altine for a while, so you could dug right into Altine in the beginning. Yeah. And was going around carrying that message for a while. And uh, golly. And what that did for her overall was beyond my understanding, too. Yeah. It's, uh, that is cool. You know, I have this thing, and I, uh, my listeners know I talk about it, but my miracle list. Mm-hmm. And I really do have it. It's in my phone. It's things that I know. And, and one way I can say it is this stuff that's happened in my life that I know for a fact would not have happened if it not for recovery. Yeah. And I, I note like those kind of like little things like that. Yeah. You know, because I've gotten so many of them that if I hadn't have made notes of them, I'd forget. Mm-hmm. You know, they pop back up at some time or another. It's also kind of like a long-term gratitude list. You know, when I get a little bit maybe on the downside here and there or something or begin to think that uh, uh, th- that last bus stop God dropped me off or something, because mm-hmm. I still don't escape that completely, Yeah. Uh, then uh, I can look at that gratitude list, you know, and, and, and that, that miracle list, you know. And you mentioned because I always want to talk about them in here, and you've uh, offered them freely without my asking, you know, without me even prodding that. But, you know, the fact that your uh, wife supported you and stayed that whole time and, and did that, that is nothing short of a miracle. Absolutely. Uh, this this deal with Uncle Mike and all that, another one. Yeah. Uh, those are miracles in our lives. And, yeah. And, and, you know, that, that Chuck Chamberlain wrote a book a long time ago called New Pair of Glasses. And uh, that's certainly the way I look at this, you know. Me too. I had to have this new pair of glasses on, and that's something my sponsor really helped me see in it for a while. I yeah. couldn't see these things that were happening for me. Right, yeah. You know, and uh, he'd say, we had a little thing, he'd say, you know what that is, don't you? And uh, and then he would go on to explain the spiritual significance of these things that were going on in my life. You know? Right. And, and to not miss that stuff. Yeah, that's, my sponsor was the same way. He taught My sponsor taught me many things. In fact, everything I do for my recovery uh, that I've, you know, being so full throttle, continuously extending my hand out, practicing these principles. Yes, it's in the 12 steps. My sponsor walked me through. But, man, one of the greatest things my sponsor gave me was uh, how to have a relationship with this higher power, yeah. you know. He yeah. taught me how to do that, and he did the same thing, man. Always, you know, whatever it was going, he he made me realize that whatever problem or whatever is happening in life, uh, whatever problem may come about, there's a spiritual solution for everything. Right. And he always had that. I was like, man, I need that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I get <laughs> You're a little, good. Sometimes I get a little perturbed, you know, because yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. You know, I, yeah. sh- I, I should know that. You yeah, know? I know it. Like, and damn. It's like he's got this crystal ball, too, that he'll <laughs> read the future to me about yeah. how something's going to go down or whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I've said this a bunch of times, too, is that um, he led me into this having this relationship with the with a higher power mm-hmm. you know without ever like letting me know what his conception was you know there was never any kind yeah. of like uh what what he felt you know he 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 led me to do that by uh continually giving me opportunities or helping me see these opportunities to for my for to rely on my higher power yeah because the relationship is one thing but do i truly have a, a reliance and I know, right? You know that turning stuff over, that little concept, and that oh, letting yeah. it go, and saying, "Okay, I got no, I got no cards to play in this, and right in this game, God, I hope you got it. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you do. Yeah, uh, I'll just keep on taking the right steps, and 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 getting the new guy to start seeing that happening. You know, so that he can start believing that this thing, that, you know, this 
damn the tough luck kind of attitude that we used to have. You yeah. Know? Oh, uh, yeah. That we can completely transform that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it ain't a luck thing. We can have this, this stuff in life and, and walk through here with a, with a great deal of uh, serenity, peacefulness, satisfaction, miracles happening. Yes, sir. And uh, all we got to do really is just stay on this path. Yeah. I, well, my favorite things is, is watching when somebody just almost like I'm dragging a rope in a minute. Yeah. You know, like it's in the 12 steps is hooked on it. And it's just dragging it. And one of these guys decides to pick up a, a knot, you know, pick up a piece of it mm-hmm. and watch their life simply change just from having picked up the path. Yeah. They haven't even done any work yet. Yeah. Yeah. But something will happen mm-hmm. just from them picking up the path, you know, yeah. and they, point, they don't see it. That's when the sponsor, you get the opportunity yeah. to say, hey, like you, you know realize. what that is? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. So ain't nothing more beautiful than that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these miracles that happen, um, a lot of people want to discount them. People want to you know, call them coincidences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We learn different here. And, yeah. Uh, everybody everybody if your eyes are open you will experience them and you'll have those things happen for you absolutely you think anymore yeah yeah i think that's about it what do you mean like as far as miracles yeah, it's just things yeah stories is oh. the, the good side of the recovery. oh yeah you know, we do yeah. we do the thing where we do a lot of what it was like you mm-hmm. know but I want to prod some what it's like now stuff, you know, okay. like the two stories you just said, you know, that was beautiful. The stuff about wife supporting you and doing this stuff and how oh, that yeah. evolved and how she wasn't sure. And then she started, you know, in this, the, uh, the story with uncle Mike and yeah, as you say, yeah, I thought when you here. said, is there more, was there more no. for me to talk about? No, yeah. I just, uh, as far as I'm looking for, yeah, just more miracles. I'm just prodding more conversation. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. There is plenty, man. Uh, you know, and that that was that's something too that I was thinking about. What you know, when I seen um, baby girl do this, I'm you know I'm so grateful um, that you know uh, because at her age, you know I didn't really have anything else, you know to to strive for. I, you know I thought life was only one way, and that was from the you know the chaos that I'd been living. So that's what I seeked, and it's so beautiful. And what a miracle it is to see her actually because baby girl, she rides with me to meetings. I mean, everybody knows her. Women usually ask, when is she going to start sponsoring women? Because they want her. (laughs) And it's so beautiful to see her apply. You know, she has a choice now. She sees where I was. She knows where what addiction got me. And she knows all about the lifestyle that I lived and this and that. And now... She sees what I'm doing now and how I'm constantly trying to practice these spiritual principles and and do the next right thing. And it's so beautiful to see her choose and actually apply this stuff to her life as well. You know, it truly is. But it's breaking cycles. Yeah. Uh, The fact of the matter is, is is a a good chunk of this is genetic, too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, that's what I've told my kids, you know, in no uncertain terms, what they call armed with the facts. Yeah. Saying, you know, there's a real good chance someday you're going to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to pick one of those up or smoke a little of this or whatever. You know, it's yeah. going to come down your path. And you need to know that you just may be you know, spinning that roulette cylinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and she is her daddy through and through. 
No doubt about that. Yeah. You know? Because I certainly, you know, I mean, when nobody, and then that's sort of thing about, like, these kids, and we've got these stories to tell, like, what she, you know, she knows, and obviously that's heard exactly what you've said tonight. Yeah. Uh, that that's in no uncertain terms, right? Right. Uh, and, you know, you could choose. I When I was t- whatever it was, 12, 13, 14, whatever it was, when I first took my first venture into trying out these substances, mm-hmm. I sure as hell didn't think it'd end up being a six to 20 year prison sentence. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, I, that wasn't what I was aiming at. Uh, it, in a sense, it sneaks up with you. And there's a big foggy area too, you know. I do feel like I, and, and you know, we don't regret the past and all that kind of stuff, you know, but I got this big block of time that was really a, 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 a big chunk of wasted time, you yeah. know, and I had some good times in there and there was mm-hmm. some fun and I had a couple of kids and, you know, there was good, there was plenty of good stuff happened in there. Problem was I was all fogged up in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and I really didn't feel like I hit adulthood until I was 45 years old. That's how old I was when I got sober. I don't even feel you like know? I hit it yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting there. You know, looking back, you yeah. know, I was like, you know, cause I still felt like a 12 year old little boy. Yeah. You know, that still that arrested development thing mm-hmm. where it says you kind of quit growing emotionally and yeah. you quit maturing when you start putting something in you. Yep. I agree with and that. And I feel like that 100%. Me too. Because that's why all, that's that's the main reason why all that fear was around me all my life. Because mm-hmm. I really was. I was still that little 12-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I always joke about. I always say, you know, because when I first got, you know, when I first started this journey, uh, after my 12 steps and stuff like that, it, you know, when I got to the fourth step, I was like, damn, you know, I was a lot effed up, a lot more effed up than I thought I was in the first place. And then my sponsor, I'm like, you mean I got to work on all this shit all the time? He's like, yeah, consistently the work doesn't stop. I'm like, damn, okay. But of course I was willing to do it. But, um. Uh, because this life now is, I'm not willing to give this up. No. I am unwilling. Yeah. And I, and that's just it. I understand that, you know, the only way that this can be, uh, you know, taken from me is if I give it away. Yep. I've worked far too hard for this, yep. for this peace of mind, this mm-hmm. serenity that I have and to share with others. And man, the miracles. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Because, you know, just 22 short months ago, okay. Mm-hmm. I was a man that could not be trusted with anything. Check this out. You know, my first, uh, I think I was probably about eight months sober, best friend of mine. I pretty much call him my brother. We've known, like we have no recollection of the day we first met. We were infants is when my grandma took me over to his mom's house and put me in the crib with him. And that's when we first met. You know what I mean? This man's my brother. He knows me through and through. And uh, with all my crazy, but he's always loved me. He's always been there for me. Well, after, like I said, I think I was about seven, eight months sober at this time, uh, he actually asked me to house sit for him, Hmm. right? And gave me the code to his garage. So I shared about it in the meeting with him and everything. And I was like, you know, you want to talk about some mind-blowing shit, here's something for you. Now, he gave me, he let me stay at his household. Nice house, too. Two-story, freaking nice. And, um, And he trusted me with his house and to take care of his animals. And he gave me the gosh dang garage code. Now, 22 months ago, he'd have had to been skeptical about even letting me know where the hell he lived. You know what I mean? I shared that to meet with him in there one time. He just started laughing so much. But, yeah, man, what a blessing, you know. And I also, like, you know, these, these moments, like when the whole pandemic thing started. You know, I, I, man, I'm always, you know, I, I speak to my higher power 
every day, all day, you know, many times, even if it's just, you know, because I feel like the more I, you know, speak on him, even if I just speak his name, you know, I'm still keeping that connection strong, you know what I mean? If I'm just talking about God, but uh, I talk to him all the time. The more I open myself to God, the more God opens himself to me. Yes, and he reveals himself to me. And like we were saying earlier, you know, I'm so blessed at these times where he gives me opportunities to do right where I've done wrong at. Because it just so happened that when this whole pandemic thing started right and the clubs were all shut down, we started holding meetings in Bonaire Park, which was the very park I did a whole lot of wrong at, you know. And, I, you know, in that moment, it just it, it hit me. I'm like, wow, what a blessing this is, you know, for me to sit here and do some good you know just trying to be here for one another and help each other stay sober um in a spot where i did nothing but wreak havoc at you know and he gives me these kind of opportunities all the time man it's such a blessing yeah i like that you know and uh we got a place out in the country i'm blessed in a lot of ways and it was a place that you know i was just feel it's my getaway you know to go drink as much as i wanted to my wife worked second shift for uh second shift uh, weekends only as a nurse, so she could be home with the kids all week, and every weekend I'd take off down there with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and and other other times, well, now that tables turn, somewhere like your Bonaire thing, you know, yeah. now that I take people down there and do fist steps, and I go down there and have yeah. retreats, and I have, you know, completely changed the complexion of a place that I've probably drank and smoked and doped as much as any place I've ever had. Right. Uh, now the complexion of the place has completely changed, and the energy of the place has changed like that. Absolutely. Too, you know? yeah. Is that what turned into this daily meeting? Was that uh, Bonaire meeting that's in? Is that Chris's mom yep. and dad's backyard or yep. mom's backyard? The CCC meeting, yeah. the COVID campfire community, I think. Yeah. Yep. That's where it started. But then, you know, we got ran off. Had to migrate. Yeah. Police came over. Somebody took some pictures and stuff. Because like, y'all were too close together? Yep. Gathering. Gathering at the time. It was too mm-hmm. many people. It started growing, you know. Hell, first day. People probably, need it, man. I mean, it's a absolutely. hell of a year. You know, I, I, I really feel for a dude to... Folks who are getting sober this year, man. Yeah. Because uh, what I had available to me, uh, you know, I, I ended up being on home incarceration for a year. Mm-hmm. That's what was my sentence. And I felt real blessed because that's a long way from uh, from prison in my world. Heck, and, yeah. Uh, one way you could, you know, the, the, the community corrections folks who had, you know, ownership of that ankle bracelet let me go to meetings. Let me do recovery stuff, which included going to meetings. Yeah. Let me go to work. And let me get my kids to points A and B that they needed to be at, mm-hmm. and that's really all I needed to be doing anyway. Absolutely. Right? Well, uh, uh, you know, so I was going to more. You know, I had a full time job too, but I was going uh, at least to a meeting every day, and there were some days I'd go to more than one. Yeah. And uh, and and you can't do that everywhere. You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, no, you can't. Able, like you said, you know, I poured myself into it. If yeah. I was idling, I was at a meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yep, I'm still that way this day. Yeah, you know I have to be, and you know that ain't available to people now. You know, so right. here we are, and you know, and I, and you know, thank God for Zoom and this kind of stuff. And at least it's pulling something together. And I yeah. also have a bunch of other tools. Thank God for this technology. It's in here because I'm yep. able to stay pretty damn connected. Me with too. Everybody. I'm in multiple chat groups. Yep. Yep. And uh, but that doesn't you know it it in no flavor replaces face-to-face and hugs and, right and and all, and all that you yeah know? so uh you know that that's a good thing that that's happening over there where people are still getting together mm-hmm. and i really do have some issues big time with uh you know and i understand why they do it but you know like i say 
the liquor stores can remain open, but AA meetings can't. Yeah, you want to talk about <laughs> baffling. Yeah. And I know why the liquor stores, you know, cause, and at least it was explained to me, is that, you know, if you had a whole bunch of people come detoxing off of alcohol, all at the same time we got a pandemic going, mm-hmm. we didn't need that extra strain on the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the same thing goes for people who are in recovery. Yeah. I mean, that's our, that's, that'd be like saying, you know, I mean, at some level it's like saying, okay, we're going to shut down the chemo treatment for you cancer folks. Right, yeah. Uh, no more treatments. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had to, luckily, you know, you'd said something about earlier about, I think you said something about adapting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's real interesting how how AA adapted. You know, Absolutely. we were actually a model for people. Yeah, what a strong uh, how community to, to be a part of. Yeah. And Many people. grassroots, you know, there's really no organization there. Yep. That's just us taking care of one another. Yep. My sponsor did the same thing. He still has his backyard meeting going, too, every Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I uh, go out to that camp. Every, I got off home incarceration. On, on uh, They let me off three months early. So I was sentenced to nine months That's another, or to a year. Uh, that's another one of my miracles. And then one day they said, what do you think about coming off that ankle brace that early? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they let me go down to that camp. Because I hadn't been there for nine months. They wouldn't let me go there. It's in wrong. It's in their county. They wouldn't let me. So it was like the longest stretch I hadn't been there. And that's actually good for me because like you were saying about coming home and those kind of trigger points, which you need yeah. to reintroduce that at some kind yeah. of controlled level. Uh, and I shot down there and I went to meetings down there. So every, it's up in Indiana, up a uh, little west of here and go to these little podunk country meet, AA meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you had to drive 20 miles to get to, you know, to, get to a meeting. Right. Uh, and one of them's here one night, you know, and then. 30 miles away from there another night and mm-hmm. but same people are most of them yeah uh and but this year i went out i called my buddies and said you know is there any means going on because that's always been a high point i've been doing that week-long vacation as soon as i got off my ankle bracelet i shot down there for a period of time my gal my angel down at community corrections mm-hmm. allowed me to go do that yeah and uh she saw me heal and uh so i called this year you know and there one guy he said well since this ended i started having meetings in my barn yeah, out in the backyard. Heck yeah. Yeah, so uh, usually I go, I was actually was a highlight of this hunting trip that I go on, is that in the evenings, come home, come back to the cabin, grab a little grub, shoot off to one of these meetings. Yeah. And they remember, now I've been doing it, this was the sixth year I've been doing it, so they, uh, you know, begin to know me, you know, and they we built relationships out there too. Yeah. And so this guy was, uh, uh, he's just a really solid old country, you know, because a little AA out in the country is a bit different than, than in the city. Oh, yeah. And uh, they got a dose of that blessing, you know, and, and they're picking it up, you know, and he yeah. said, you know, I'm going to have a meeting. Um, <clears throat> they can shut us down. They can try to shut us down, but they can't tell me we can't meet in the barn. Right. Yeah. My sister actually suggested the same thing because she knew this was coming about. Uh, my sister's actually uh, going to school um, to be, uh, I guess, an, an addiction counselor yeah. or something like that. Uh-huh. At first, she was thinking social worker, but that wasn't the avenue she wanted to oh, travel that. down. This and, is the oldest sister? The one uh, my second oldest. This is my, my sister, uh, Chrissy, who, who actually lives in Taylorsville. Okay. The one, actually, the house I was trying to take her yeah, to, yeah. you know, New Year's Eve 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's big-time supporter, man. She's, is these she, the ones that took you to treatment? 
Yes. Okay. Yep. And she's now, actually, the ones that took you to treatment, the same one that was 18 years old and punched your stepdad? No, that's, that's my sister one. who okay. actually still right. lives in Florida. Right. Yeah, that's my eldest sister. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she still lives there. My dad I don't actually. Know why I want to pull all that puzzle together in my head, but yeah. I do. <laughs> that's cool. Well, this is another one of these things I say about this podcast is that every time somebody comes here and sits with me, I get to know them better. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, that tightens up these bonds, and my safety net can't be too wide or too deep, you yeah. know, and, uh, and we sit here and get to know each other better. Absolutely. And this is a blessing. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you when I first heard, I remember when I first heard you uh, just sharing a meeting. It was actually at the underground. Yeah. And then I seen you again um, at the uh, meditation meeting. Yeah. You chaired it one night, I believe. Yeah, when Shane, you know, he yeah. was on vacation every yeah. other week. And for a while, yep. I was his substitute whenever he was going. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's I, it's it's crazy because, you know, you are like just the way you share and I can feel like your 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 spirituality is just radiant. You know, I, I sense that immediately the first time I Thank met you. you and I heard you speak, you know, you. so you're somebody that I aspire to be like oh. in this thing. And, and I ain't going to lie. Something. When you came over and asked me, I was like, oh, oh, I try to keep my composure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to look like a you know a, a, you know what I'm saying a schoolgirl right now jumping with joy with how much it just lifted me inside and I understand that it you know that it's not the reason you came to ask me if definitely is because of God and because yeah. of what I'm doing I you can know follow I mean? that nudge yeah. today you know uh, I'm sitting there and you know and God taps me on the shoulder yeah. uh, basically you know and it's like Hang on, Holly was with me, and I was like, hang on, man, I'm going to go ask that guy if he wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, even today, I still question myself at times. Of course, there's times where I start to feel inadequate and stuff like that, and God will hit me with something like that. You know, somebody who I look up to in this oh. program come holler at me asking me to do something, which just is all that's tra- all God's trying to tell me is like, hey— you're doing something yep. right, you I know. Call him higher power, yeah. Had a boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's tapped yeah. Me, patted me on yeah. the shoulder and I'm said, like, Man, "Good job, thank brother. You God. Keep on yeah. doing it." Yeah. Hell yeah. And that's real humbling to hear that, you know, because I'm just, you know, I'm just an addict, alcoholic like everybody else, yeah. you know. And uh, and God handed me this podcast platform thing to mess with, and I ran, you know, God's laid some opportunities in my lap, right? Like the retreats I run and, and this podcast and, and some things like that, and you know, and I did take the action, I, you know. Uh, I get credit for taking the action and picking up what God laid there. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, but it is, you know, it's uh, uh, it's humbling to 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 be somebody and, and have have you say what you said about that because uh, you know, uh, down in there where that addict alcoholic still wants to doubt it all, and I think absolutely. I bet you that you can relate with this too, man. Most of mine, I was a con man, and I heard you talking your story. Uh, you know, and once in a while, I'm wondering, uh, it comes to me, you know, am I conning this too? Right. You know? Yeah. Am I pulling a con job here? Right. Uh, is this real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luckily, stay plugged in and those things, you know, go, you know, you, you don't, there's, I know that's what I need to do. Yeah. Stay plugged in. Just keep yeah. on doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that's it. I, you know, I make no mistake. I make no mistake that God, you know, he guided me to the rooms for a reason. And that reason is most certainly because he realized that I was going to need all the help I could get. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I, I make no mistake um, that 
the only reason I am this man who I am today is, of course, because of God's grace and mercy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And because he guided me to the rooms, because it's important for me, because I, I never knew anything different. I've never known any other way to be or to live than a life consumed by drugs and alcohol. So, you know, getting sober to me was actually the easy part out of this thing you know what i mean learning how to live life on life's terms was the hardest Mm -hmm. and to how to be an adult you know thank god baby girl actually shows me how to be an adult on most cases opportunities to practice that absolutely and i make no mistake that you know i need this you know i have to have this and 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 the reason i am because the, the way i am today and what i've learned everything i've gathered and the perspective that I've gained is all from this program and from the fellowship, you know. It really is. Yep. And the, 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 it, it, that's the thing about them promises, man. They're so true and they just constantly reveal themselves to me because, man, this outlook I have on life today, you know, and, and this gift to be able to stay in the moment. You know, I may not do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. There is times where I sure. should actually pause a bit sooner than I actually end up pausing. You but know what I mean? this whole deal is giving me a way yeah. to do this course correction. Yeah, you know, no doubt. When I start drifting off, and what happens is yeah. I get quicker and quicker on the course correction. Absolutely. And what never fails is because I'm so good at complicating shit, that's just my that's my default action right yeah, there. Right. That's what I do yeah. is complicate everything yeah. to a point to where I just want to give up on it, you know? Um, but but it's so beautiful for the guidelines to live in that the, that the 12 steps have offered me, which is really I have to keep it very simple. Trust God, clean house, help others. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's really, it's really that simple. It doesn't matter. I've learned that no matter what's going on in my life, if I just kind of let go, let God, and keep my focus on just that, trusting God, cleaning house, helping others, you know? Everything else just seems to work out every single time. God yep. just takes care of it. It doesn't yep. matter what it is, yep. you know. And trusting God, cleaning house, and helping others can be applied to everything. And the spiritual principles, you know, love, compassion, um, you know, trust, um, you know. <clears throat> no matter what I'm doing, I feel like even if, if, if I just try to slap some kind of spiritual principle on top of it, you know, am I being honest? Am I am I? being compassionate here or you know am i putting some integrity and integrity into what i'm doing man i feel like there's a pretty good chance that i'm following god's will for me when i do that you know what i mean it really does it does it's foolproof and it works every time it it works every time bill said it pretty simply a design for living that works yes and it does and it's so beautiful but i'm telling you man you know wanted to talk about miracles my very first sponsee I got the opportunity to give this man his 365, man. man, Holy shit. I mean, I knew my sponsor told me, he was like, boy, when you get this opportunity, man, you are in for a treat. And it it was, it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. I feel like it felt even more powerful than when my sponsor handed me mine. Yep, it does, man. You know? It's, uh, you know, again, I steal a lot of stuff from me speakers and the stuff, and I don't know what the percentage is, but let's say uh, 20% of my recovery life came from working the steps. Mm-hmm. The other 80 come from working the steps with other dudes. Absolutely. And I learned so much more about myself every time. Yep. yep. And everyone, every sponsor, he's holding a mirror up, and they're telling yep. me something about there that I'm going, "Yep, me too, man." Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's you know, then and just talking about this other night, you know, what ended up happening with a few years under my belt and an open heart and people, God sending me a lot of cool sponsees is I got this, I built this sub community inside the community. 
mm-hmm. of sponsees and, st- and, and that inner circle kind of thing where, you know, the day-to-day, I can't be day-to-day with everybody. Right. Right. But I could be day-to-day with this pod. It's like uh, building your own little army to do this thing called life with, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, Hell yeah. And uh, by no means do I, I'm not the general, you know, because we all leveled out. You know, you got that hierarchy thing. It feels like sponsor up here and sponsee down there in the beginning. Yeah. But then before long, you're walking side by side. Absolutely. Not, not in front of, not behind. Uh, side by side yep. doing this thing and uh, yeah man that's uh, I've been fortunate in that in that it's more miracle stuff and blessings of the sponsees that God sends down the path and uh, when you get to give that well, there still ain't uh, I actually I've actually gave give a guy eight year but he's wow. more to me you know more time than I have yeah. but uh, last ones is, uh, so I've been giving four year chips lately Man, I will get my six in January. So, uh, wow, yeah, that's but the ones January those, what first? Oh, okay, New Year's Day, man. Yeah, uh, 15, January say, 15th, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. When you said years. one something, I was uh, I clearly cleaned in on that because there's also like a uh, I don't know what it is about having the same sobriety date in the same month. There's a camaraderie, even yeah, there about is, that, man. You know, there is. Oh, you're a January yeah. guy, cool. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> if it was the same day, I'd have been like, oh my gosh. But those 365, those one year chips, there just yeah. isn't anything more special than that. Uh, Spiritual Underground's grown pretty big in the last few years, and uh, and we usually celebrate mu- multiple birthdays at a time, almost yeah. always. And I still remember, uh, and we, we, what we would call, we call, we pour juice on one another, you know, mm-hmm. on whoever the celebrant is, you hear it every place. And when our whole sharing turns into that, you know, yeah. uh, and when my very first birthday, I was the only guy to celebrate that night. So I got all the juice that night. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it really did, man. I mean, it was just put me on cloud nine and, and yeah. we had a guy Tuesday night, Mark Bishop, he just uh, celebrated three. And I saw it happen. I saw it line up because we got these lists of people. But like with Zoom, people like, you know, you got the ones, oh, I don't do Zoom. And you got the other stuff, you know, guys ain't celebrating or they've moved on and they don't come to us anymore. But their name's still in the book. Mm-hmm. And I saw Mark was going to be celebrating Tuesday night by himself. And I said that. And I was like, oh, man, that is so cool because yeah. uh, Mark is just an awesome guy. And uh, and and he got the whole juice, the whole bucket of juice that Hell night yeah. to himself. And yeah. <laughs> I said that when I did my share, and he texted me afterwards and said, "Yeah, you, I know what you mean now, man." <laughs> but yeah, those uh, those one year chips, man, that is magic. There's nothing yeah. like that first year, right? Especially when so they actually much transformation happens. Yeah, in such and, a short amount of time. And for him, you know, there, you, you, I, I realized, you know, off top, I told you know, told him is that you know, I'm. I'm not doing anything, man. All I'm doing is just guiding you. Yeah. I'm just giving you my sponsor gave gave yeah. me. You know, you're doing all the work, and he did it, man. Yeah. He did it all, and he That's worked so, so cool, hard. Yeah. And to see, you know, man, there is nothing. There's I've experienced many, many, many miracles. You know, since the, over this last 22 months, some that I can't remember, but I know happened. Some that just blow me away every time I think about them. But man, I'd encourage you to start a list. That's a very good idea. I and like even that. Go back, you know, and yeah. note the ones you don't have to. You know, anyone, yeah. one pops in your mind that you forgot. Mm-hmm. Write it down when you remember, man. I got a little notepad in this phone, man, and I just keep them. Yeah, I do. Once you mention that, that's something that I need to do because my mind is still so all over the place all the time. Well, so anyways. much happens. Yeah, see? yeah, but man, we transform like right. you know we're hyperspeed transforming, man, and uh, and and nobody can keep track of all this stuff. Nah. So I write my my sponsor doesn't remember giving me that gift to write that down. We 
kid about it, you know, but I remember him saying, you should write this stuff down because you're not going to remember it. it's happening. Because yeah. there was really a lot of stuff happening for me real fast, you know, right. like getting that multi-year prison sentence come down to home incarceration mm-hmm. out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, me getting off of home incarceration early. I was supposed to do home incarceration at my mom and dad's house, and my mom had got back on the pills again. Yeah. And I, when I went over to do that, she was nodding off. As you were saying, mm-hmm. and uh, and I knew I couldn't stay sober if I was going to be in that house with them pills. Yep. And downtown, they screwed up the paperwork and put my name out, put my address, and was going. And they, 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 I got to do my home incarceration at my own house. Yeah. When that place became unsafe, you know, and they just were rolling like that, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And he said, "Write this stuff down." Heck yeah. And I, I, it's a gift I give to my sponsors too, man. And yeah, nowadays like we'll say something like, you know, all he has to do is I'll tell him something, and he'll go add it to the list. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Yep. So many miracles, man. But boy, I tell you what, that took to see, you know, when you're working with, because, you know, doing that intensive work with another alcoholic man to see that moment, man, where they, you know. It's like watching a flower bloom. Yeah, it is, man. It's so beautiful. It's so, it gives me goosebumps every time yeah, I think about uh, it, man. You know, it's a beautiful yeah, yeah. thing. And that's what I strive for. picking our shoestrings and we can't look you in the eye, you know. Yeah. And the next thing you know, this dude is, his shoulders are back and chest yeah. is out and head is up. And when he announces his name in the meeting, it's no more that mumble that everybody's like, what do you say? Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's going, I'm Dan, I'm alcoholic. Absolutely. Speaking to be heard. Yeah. It's one thing I've learned, man, everybody's got a voice for one reason, one reason alone. That's to be heard. Yeah. Everybody's got a story. And that's what captivated me when I heard you. And I'd heard you share a few times, but for whatever reason, God tapped me on the shoulder that night there at that campfire meeting when Esther was getting hurt one year. And uh, I was like, I like, because that's the message I want to carry here is that high energy, passionate, you know, because you know, there is a humdrum recovery is offered if you want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's more. Yes. There's a lot more, and, and that's what I try to focus on here is this, as far as I'm concerned, next level kind of recovery, that this is this is available to you. Yeah. Because uh, you stumble in the wrong meetings, and, and that's no dig on those meetings or whatever, but the fact of the matter is that you can go in some meetings where uh, being sober doesn't look that goddamn attractive. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I've seen some. I've seen some of those meetings. Yeah. You know, and, and you you could hit any meeting on a particular night and and have that happen, but yeah, uh, but what I, my message I'm wanting to carry is your kind of recovery that fired up. Let's get it. Let's go for more. Let's dig deeper. Let's keep doing this thing. Let's, Heck yeah, uh, march this path, man. Yes, Not sir. Drudge it. That's it. You know, I've learned I have to live and breathe recovery. Me too. Just as I lived and breathed the madness. Yeah. You know. I had a four-year stint from my first AA meeting to my current uh, sobriety date uh, where I bounced I bounced off the walls and halls of AA trying to find some that easier, softer way kind of thing, trying to find a way of not putting all my chips in the middle of the table. And when, yeah. I got that, when I got that potential prison sentence, it forced me into pushing all my chips to the middle of the table because I, did, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know how not to – I didn't know how to fix it. You know, problems piled up so deep I can't imagine – you know, it's astonishing. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't begin to think about how I was going to solve them all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I really didn't know. And, uh, and, I, and I really didn't think AA would work, but it was the, only, it was the last room on the block, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm yeah. Like, no okay, doubt. I will really do this thing yeah. full tilt this time. Yeah. What's it going to hurt? Worst thing is I end up in prison anyway. Right. <laughs> if I don't get sober, I'm going to be in prison. Yeah. Absolutely. And I didn't have to go. 
Yep. Lives are restored, families are restored, and that ripple effect of changing and breaking cycles inside our own family systems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get to be the dad your kid deserves. Get to be the son your parents deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just got to go help my mom yesterday, man. What a beautiful thing that is, man. I swear, I get so amped up by that when God gives me these opportunities, man. You know, my mom needed me. <clears throat> and I was there, right. you know, yep. you and she didn't even, on yeah, she didn't have to worry about anything being stolen from her house. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. That's I, kind of some yeah. living amends that I do with my father. My mom passed yep. uh, when I was uh, 14 months sober. Mm. And, uh, Sorry to hear that. And uh, thank you. And uh, and it was too rough on dad. Yeah. And dad did an awesome example of what it means to love your wife. And he didn't, you know, he, he did everything in his power to do whatever he could for her, trying to get her to come back home. She'd had a stroke and was spent a lot of time in rehab. And, mm. and it was a long, drawn-out six-month affair of her dying, basically. Yeah. And uh, dad lived in that house for just maybe another year or something. And he started talking about moving to an apartment or getting a patio home or doing something like that. And if you turn around up there, there when dad and when I was in high school, my dad, my brother and I lifted the roof of the house and built a great room. And that used to be my man cave up there. Oh, yeah. And uh, where where I would slip away from everybody and go have my spot up there. Yeah. The dormitory, refrigerator and all that kind of stuff and uh had that sitting up there empty and uh dad and i talked about it and sponsor talked to my sponsor about it and did all that kind of stuff and and dad moved in there a couple couple years ago and today we get to spend all that time together and i get to pay him back for remember i told you earlier tonight about having my back the yeah. whole way through yeah and now i get to be there for him that's awesome such a blessing we sit out here and piddle around the wood shop together and build stuff and I'm doing that handyman in around town now, and he has taught me how to do all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I get in a little pickle, man. I'm calling him up. Dad, <laughs> what do you do when you got this going on? Yeah. So, yeah, man, when we get to give back. And, and the biggest thing is is that, that relief on our parents that they don't have to worry about us anymore, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. That relief that, you know, the next phone call is going to be Sean's dead or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they're going through that for all those years. And when, you yeah. take, when you're able to take that backpack off of them yeah. and set it down, you can just see them traveling lighter. Yeah, no doubt. Baby girl's getting tired. Oh, yeah. She is. <laughs> Hell, half the time, you know, that's crazy because, that, you know, all those times, man, the only time my people's, my parents, my sister, uh, family, all of them, only time they felt safe was when I was locked up, you know? Yeah. Or at yeah. least that's the only time they felt they that knew, I was yeah, safe. Yeah, they knew you were someplace, and, yeah. and that ain't the safest place, but I guess it, right. all things considering. Yeah, uh, they think at least if I'm in there, I got a good chance of staying alive. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming and telling your story tonight. I'm glad I got to, like I said, get to know you better. Yes, sir. Uh, you have caught my eye. And I, same way what you said about me, I felt the same about you. Listen to you going, yeah, I, I dig that. I need to know how to do better. It means more to me than you know, brother. Thank you so much for the opportunity, buddy. Okay, concluding thoughts before we close it up. I always do that. I have a podcast guy that's a deer hunter, or he's a hunter, not deer really so much, but uh, he said he asks a table every time. And I've adopted his thing, saying, you got any concluding thoughts? Well, you know, one thing I always love to share, because for me, you know, when we speak on these miracles, man, uh, I've been blessed with many of them. But, man, there is nothing that is more miraculous than the fact that my desire to get high has been completely completely lifted from me Amen. and it's been miraculously replaced 
with the desire to want to help somebody else, man. Yeah, man. To help somebody else recover. That is so amazing. Yeah. Because 22 months ago, I wouldn't even took care of my daughter yeah. before I had one in me. Right. And that is lifted. Yeah. Man, so I, I man, <clears throat> I feel that's so important for people to hear, man, because, mm-hmm. you know, for a lifetime, I thought I would never, ever, ever be able to do this. I thought I was of the hopeless variety, yeah. you know. Everybody else could do this but me. But, man, it's so important to people know you can, you will, yep. just let somebody that, help you're you. You're not that unique. Nope. You're unique just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thanks again, and I will close this thing up. I did forget to say one thing. Uh, these, these 12 steps to save guys like Sean and I are also available here in the Louisville area now through Zoom to anybody uh, through a process called 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. Uh, there's a book called 12 Step Spiritual Recovery you can find on Amazon. And we have meetings. Uh, there's a women's meeting once a week and a co ed meeting once a week, and uh, where you can adopt this 12 step program, whether or not you have any kind of addiction or alcoholism. If you just are looking for some new way to live, maybe things just ain't so, you know, uh, you feel something's missing, or, or my life's not really supposed to be like this. Uh, try these 12 steps out. Uh, you can find it on 12stepspiritualrecovery.com. And there's a Facebook page, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery also. Uh, so if you want that, if, you, if, you, if, you, if, 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 it can, if it can do what it did for Sean's life, mm-hmm. and just like we just said, you are not so unique. That's right. Uh, it can do that for you too. Uh, this is not... Does, it doesn't have to be uh, uh, from the very bottom. You can start this process no matter where you're at. So check that out, 12-step spiritual recovery, James Christopher Cohn on Amazon. I'm going to give uh, Darren Frank a shout-out. His music wraps around this, and if you, if you haven't heard from this thing, and I'm going to put something together on it. Uh, we talked about loss a little bit ago, and uh, we just lost a guy in the spiritual underground, a guy named Jesse Simpson. And uh, he, he actually produces the music. He produced that music that Darren wrote. And uh, Jesse's been a guest at this podcast. As a matter of fact, he sat right across the table from me where Sean's sitting now, played his guitar. His podcast is out there. And uh, he went back to the old way of living and did not survive a uh, vehicle accident um, just a month or so ago. So, save your life. Work your steps. Clean house, trust God, help others. If you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank everyone out there for allowing Sean and I to uh, participate in our recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out. (laughs) 